1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: All right, busy day today. We got a lot of people that are going to be joining us by uh, by phone today. Uh, we're going to open up seven thirty-five. We'll be talking to uh, Congressman Westerman. Congressman Hill cannot join us today; he's out of pocket. Uh, they wouldn't tell me why, but he's on the Foreign Relations Committee, and uh, a good, a big group of them are in ukraine right now and i'm wondering if the congressman not over there so next week will be interesting we'll get a chance to talk to him about that uh congressman westerman is on at 7 at eight o'clock dan sullivan has some folks set up for us from out in california talk about uh, sb 71 about affirmative action uh, and we're going to discuss uh, what's going on as far as that's concerned we got Joey McCutcheon coming on with us today uh, during the 9 o'clock hour. We'll talk to him about FOIA, and it seems to me we talked about uh, it looked like uh, some some, uh, Republicans were going to try to uh, attack the FOIA that we have here in the state, which is the best FOIA in the United States. And uh, they've backed off now because we kind of got in front of it and started questioning why they're doing it. So... uh, Uh, Some people I talked to yesterday while I was at the Capitol said that uh, they have dropped that. Okay, so I'm not hearing anything about any bills being written. We can talk about the education bill, of course. It's now been dropped. I got a text last night saying, well, what do you think about this bill, Dave? Well, number one, I haven't seen it yet, okay? I don't know what to think of it other than what I've heard about it. And uh, they're saying, why are they trying to rush it through through well they're not rushing it through it's not going to go through fast is it going into committee today yes it is it was dropped today is what wednesday it was dropped on monday afternoon it'll be in committee this morning and it's it's going to take a while for this to get through i bet you everybody on the education committee has already seen it and has read it what yeah, do you think
3: yeah yeah i think they've seen it and i think they've read it and i think they're you know, making some conclusions. Um, I I think what they're going to do is be transparent and let the public <clears throat> understand it. Like you and I, I'm in the process of starting to read it. You are too. Yep. And once we do and know what we're talking about, then we can make some assessments. It's going to be interesting, because I think what we're going to see is some... I think there'll be some amendments put forth. Well,
2: sure, there'll be amendments put forth. Look, Greg Ludding, who's a minority leader, already said, we can't have any of that, uh, you know, the money follows the student stuff, basically. And uh, if you don't have that, then you might as well go home and not even do anything.
3: Not important even putting it up. I I think what's going to be an interesting part which i'm looking forward to reading is seeing how this applies to how parents can apply this to private schools and are there strings attached or to the private schools or put them under the government thumb and if that's the case then we're going to have issues with that but bottom line is we don't know yet
2: well from what i've been told all right (laughs) again it's what i've been told and i've talked to a lot of people about this and uh the reason that they're having the money follow the student is that way it does not have to go through the government.
3: That's that's the whole thing. Which
2: means that you don't have the same kinds of strings that would be attached if it was a, from a government agency and and came directly for the student
3: that's going to be the thing because that's what that's what makes public that's what makes private schools successful in my opinion is they're not under government regulation them
2: them
3: right and and so if there's any stipulation like when we talked to jacob oliva which was a great talk we had with him last good. week yeah and uh real straightforward guy yes he is and we were talking about the private schools and he said there's going to be some uh Accountability uh on on their end on this. So we're waiting to see what that is. If that's simply reporting uh data, okay, that's one thing. If it's something more, then that could be it that could be an issue. Well they had
2: home school uh day yesterday at the Capitol and they were excited about it. The governor came and talked to them about it and everybody was all for it. From the cheers, right? Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. They had about five, six hundred people in the road. They really
3: did. I was over there yesterday to uh, to testify in a House committee on a whole different subject, a different bill. But when I came through, yeah, it was packed, and and um, my gosh, there were kids everywhere, and it, it was a good sight to see. Yeah, it was. It was, it, was, was good, yeah. it was cool. And where I look,
2: it wasn't as loud as Pastor's Day. Let's just put it down. Right.
3: It was pretty loud. <laughs> I tell you, it, it, was really, it was really nice to see, though, when you go to the state capitol and you, and you see the families coming with their children and they're engaged in a process and they're getting involved. And you could see it. And it's, it's nice to see that.
2: And then when they're done, they're walking around checking the capital out. Oh yeah, and going and finding their legislators and talking to their legislators.
3: I saw them all over the Capitol, and I thought it was great. And here again, when I say this, I'm not going. I'm not picking on drag queens or anything, but it's just nice <laughs> to see. Uh, groups of people like one of them. You don't have to say anything.
2: I'll pick on them. Yeah, okay.
3: but yeah, yeah. When we saw the the parents and the and the people come over to support this in the beginning, that was nice. And we see what happened yesterday. It's kind of a nice transition from seeing a small group of people yell and scream like the like the transgender people and yep. the drag queens did. Yep. And and so it's nice to see that positive vibe because when those others come. It's such a negative vibe, but these are actually positive vibes that we see over the state capitol. i
2: got to ask you a question. Ask me, man. Why do you think I, – I mean, I, I didn't think this was an illegitimate question. I didn't think that the guy was being ugly to the person. But Oh, we, I know where you're going, yeah. We had the, the pharmacist that was transgender, was a, a guy right. that dresses up like a woman and all that. Uh, you know it's still a woman. you got the apple all right just so you know if if you don't know what i'm talking about text me i'll tell you and any, and anyway uh he's I, a guy yeah i mean i i don't know who the senator was i forget what his name was but he looked at at this this uh uh man all right, right. dressed as a woman and because i believe what uh what uh the writer of uh, all of the harry potter books said that being a woman is not putting on a costume and that's what this one, this guy's doing he's wearing a costume he's not yeah. he, and and he looked at it and said you know do you have a penis yeah I th- and i wasn't there but i have i got friends that were there elected officials and they said you would have thought that he asked him if she had an illegitimate baby and well, everybody went, oh, Well, let's talk are, about who why, everybody was. Why would you ask that? Well, yeah, it was the transgender <laughs> yeah, people.
1: So,
2: and I watched it. Isn't that what it's all about? Yeah. I mean,
3: isn't that where you're laying down your fight? Well, I watched it, and, you know, I'm just going to tell you that's a legit question. Well, of course it is. And they got all offended and went, wait a minute, what are you getting offended about? <laughs> you should be proud. You know, I, I mean, the answer is yes or no, number one. And we and, didn't get that answer, no, by the way. No, you didn't get that answer. But yes, it's a relevant question.
2: Because if you answer yes, I still have, it's like, but I thought you wanted to be a woman.
3: Well, if you're telling me, well, more than that, you're saying you are a woman. Yeah. Okay. And if you have a penis, I'm sorry. You're not. And and so they got all offended. I'm going, what are you getting offended about? You know, this is a legitimate question. And he said, and he didn't say it in an ugly way. He used the, the nicest medical term. He used term a
2: medical term. That That's you correct. He can
3: use. And I mean, what, you know, what they got offended is, if he did, which would be more offensive to them, do you think? Dave, do you have a penis? Or do, what if he just said, do you have a vagina? Yeah. I mean. And they got all in their feelings. I'm going, that's just ridiculous. I mean, if you want to have this conversation, if you want to push this conversation like you're doing, okay, then have the conversation. Let's let's be real. Yeah. What subjects of the conversation you're not going to talk about. I agree. Because it gets down to that point.
2: Yeah. And what's really crazy is that that exchange made national news. Well, of course it did, right? I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to say transgender. It's not easy for people to say you got a vagina or you got a penis. Yeah, and
3: and and why did it make national news? Because of the media, the mainstream media's false narratives and the narratives they want to portray, and they portray this guy as being, you know, straight from you know, like he's the straight from Hitler. Like he's Hitler's grandson or something.
2: Yeah, talk, talking about the elected official, really, guy, the and
3: senator. He, and, he, and he asked a legitimate question. And I think what people got to understand is, me me personally, you know, I don't have anything against somebody that that thinks they're a woman or thinks they're a man when they're not, okay? I don't have anything against them, you know. I if Unless okay. you're asking for special rights. That's when I have a problem. And that's, that's what we problem. keep hearing.
2: Yeah. You know, it's like going to college and uh, if you're in a class, you got to use pronouns. No, I'll call you what's your name? Is it June. Okay. All right, June, to... answer the question. Yeah. I'm not going to say would would she please No, I'm just going to June. Answer the question.
3: You know, I'm kind of like Robert Steinbuck. If 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 Steve wants to be called Susie, okay, I'll call you Susie. You know, and but but if you're asking me, to pretend or you're asking me to believe that that you're a woman when you in fact you're a man or you're a man when in fact you're a woman that's not going to happen no because at that point
2: I'm playing into your your mental disorder and I know I just ticked off a lot of people but it's a mental disorder
3: yeah and and, and you know, I'm sorry. I'm not going to pretend, and I'm not going to believe just because that's what you, that's what you say. Now, here's the difference. So, I try to be nice to everybody, so there's two, and I won't come them to name, but there's two specific transgenders in Conway that are men who believe they're women. and
2: Or they and, say they're women. Right. I don't know whether they believe it or not.
3: And so when the issue started up there, I was at a meeting, and I ran into – both of them at a deal, and they didn't know who I was, I, and I just made I just said hi to them, like I say hi to everybody, and brought up a conversation about the the chapel we were in at St. Peter's Episcopal Church, and you know had a conversation with both of them. So at the next school board meeting, by then they know who I am and seen what I'd written, and so I see them over there, and, and while we're you know while we have differences of opinions and beliefs, I went over and I said hi to both of them with a big smile on my face, yeah. and both of them turned their head and didn't even speak to me, and I went. Okay, you know, just because just because I don't believe the way you do, you're gonna you're gonna be divisive and not well, see civil. That,
2: that's what they're doing with the author of Harry Potter. Yeah, she made that statement. Being a woman is more than wearing a costume. That's true. And the transgender community. Oh, I can't believe. Well, what are, what are they doing? Yeah. They're wearing a costume. Yeah. Typically, we don't have any problem with that one time out, of, one day out of the year. But I'm going to tell you that if you're going to say you
3: are what you're dressing up to be, some people are going to have problems with it. In high school, I was in, uh, believe it or not, I was in drama, and I know you had. have been in born. drama as well. And in in course, um, I went to a, I went to basically uh, a all male boarding school, which which really was a reform school. But <laughs> anyhow, you know, I, I played a woman in a play. Oh, okay, so you, did, you did a Milton Berle. Yeah. I played okay. a woman in a play, but, you know – I'm not a woman, and I wasn't trying to convince anybody I was a woman. It was very clear I was a dude playing a woman. It's just, like, it's just like in the
2: movie, Some Like It Hot. Yeah. With Tony Curtis it, uh, and Jack Lemmon.
3: And it goes back to what they were trying to say that on this bill. Well, if you did, then it, the bill got watered down, let's face it. But if you, they tried to say, okay, well, that would be outlawed on that dragon. No, it wouldn't.
2: No. That's not what they were saying at all,
3: yeah and yeah the, the problem I have with these people is they want to bring they they want to bring you fiction instead of facts. And the guy going back to the original subject, the guy didn't ask anything wrong. It's no. a very relevant question to the discussion. It was. Absolutely was. All right,
2: 721. Let's get our break in. We've got to do that. we got Bill O'Reilly coming up at the end of the hour. We've got uh, not the end of the hour. We're at the bottom of the hour. We've got uh, Congressman uh, Westerman coming up at 735. 8 o'clock, we've got uh, Senator Dan Sullivan, some guests he's got in from the West Coast. Uh, I talked to Chuck Gerard yesterday. He'll be on with us at 10.30 today. He is the godfather of Christian contemporary music. Uh, in the movie uh, uh, The the, uh, the Jesus Revolution, he t- was telling me last night they've got uh, some guys playing them. He said they don't look as good as us, and they definitely don't sound as good as us. So anyway, we'll talk We'll talk to Chuck at uh, 10.35. That's all coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we've got uh, O'Reilly coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, That's coming up in two minutes. Then we'll have uh, Congressman Westerman on with us. And then we'll have uh, Senator Dan Sullivan. He's got a bill out to get rid of affirmative action here in Arkansas. Good. And I I can hear, look, he's got people coming in from California. They got rid of it back in the 80s. Then they tried to bring it back in the beginning of the 21st century and the people overwhelmingly voted it down again. Right. So uh, they'll be talking to us. Uh, uh, Pacific Liberty Foundation, I think, is going to be here uh, to talk to the legislators about it and that it doesn't do a lot of the things that a lot of people say it's going to do. Here's what it's going to do. Sounds good to liberals, though, right? It's, yeah, of course. It's <laughs> going to bring merit back. That's yeah. what's going to happen. You'll be yeah. you'll be judged on the merit of how well you do you the mean, job, just the way gonna, MLK yeah. wanted it.
3: You mean we're not going to discriminate against those who have higher merit and, and work harder than others, or that perform better? We're not going to discriminate against them anymore.
2: Not anymore. Everybody's huh. going to be on a level playing field.
3: Huh? <laughs> well, that's yeah. a bold
2: concept. Isn't a, it? Yeah, it should have been that way. It's, been that way had been that way for over 200 years and now it got changed again uh we're changing it back all right so let's go hear uh what o'reilly has for us and then when we come back i'm gonna um, when i come back i'll give away four tickets to go see jesus revolution we've got the movie this thursday uh day after tomorrow uh or tomorrow Tomorrow Thursday, so That would be tomorrow, Dave. 6.30, doors open, 7 o'clock, the movie's going to be shown. Stickers came in, say Jesus freak on them. You're going to get one of those when you walk into the theater. Uh, you'll understand why that is after I talk to you right at the beginning before the movie. All right, we're going to talk to the congressman in just a moment. But before we do, let me remind you that I have a uh, uh, package of four tickets for you and three of your friends to go see the Jesus Revolution movie that we're showing tomorrow night at Riverdale 10. Uh, Showtime, 7 o'clock, doors open, 6.30. We hope that uh, uh, you get tickets and and we'll fill up that theater. It's all about the the Jesus movement of the... uh, Late 60s, early 70s. Looks like it's going to be really good. Uh, we're going to talk to Chuck Gerard at 1030 uh, this morning. Uh, he is the uh, grandfather of Christian contemporary music. He started a group called Love Song, who uh, performed there in Costa Mesa at the church, uh, where all of this went down with Chuck Smith. So it would be fun to talk to him about it. Uh, We won't talk to him about the movie. We'll talk to him about what really happened, and he'll give us the the long and short of it, I'm sure. So he was very interesting when I talked to him yesterday. So you call right now, 501-823-0965. 501-823-0965. And we'll give you a package of four tickets, so you and your family or you and your friends or whomever uh, can go to the movie. Just call right now. All right, that brings us up to talking to uh, our congressman from uh, District uh, 4, and that is none other than Bruce Westerman. Hello, congressman. How you doing today?
4: Good morning, Dave. Doing doing great. Good to be with you
2: again. It's good to be with you as well. Hey, listen, uh, I want to start off. Yesterday, uh, the president spoke in Poland. He spoke directly to the Russian people. Uh, wanted them to know that we're not at war with with them. That uh, we're at war with Putin and the so and the uh, the Russian machine. However, he said one thing that concerned me, and that is. We're in this with the Ukrainians until the very end. So, what do you, have have they had any kind of briefing for you guys to tell you what is their idea of what is the end of this thing?
4: Uh, no, they haven't haven't shared that with this I saw where he was over there yesterday, and I also heard a pretty amazing fact that the amount of military aid that we've given Ukraine it makes their military budget more than what the Russian military budget is for a year. Uh, if we really know what the Russian military budget is, I guess somebody uh, thinks they can estimate <laughs> that. But it, um, yeah, it made it made Ukraine like the fifth most uh, the fifth largest military in the world, just with the military aid that we've given them.
2: So how, how do you feel? I, I listened to a lot of different generals yesterday saying that we need to stay in this now because we're we're literally whittling down the Russian military uh, by you know proxy with the the Ukrainians. Is this something? How long do we stay? I mean, in your own mind, uh, have have you started thinking about that at all?
4: Well, I think we're committed now with with everything we've we've done, and plus. I mean, it's a it's a bad situation any way you look at it, Dave. Um, will Putin stop in Ukraine if that's uh, if he takes Ukraine, or will he start dealing with the NATO country, which we have a you know a, a pretty much binding commitment. If anything happens to NATO, that we're not just there with equipment there; we're, we're there with troops on the ground. Now, whether Putin would try that or not, I don't know. But we also know the Chinese are helping prop up the Russian military by buying Russian oil, and I believe they're probably supplying military equipment to to Russia as well. So uh, you've got that, and then you've got uh, Taiwan, and you've got the Iranians looking at, at Israel. So it's a very unstable time, and uh, yeah, I can... I don't think I formed a final opinion on how how much we should be doing or shouldn't be doing there, because as it, it goes along, we're getting more committed, and you you see the these bad players becoming more aggressive as well. So it's a, I don't know. What do you think? It's a very serious situation.
2: Well, it worries me over there because cheese getting involved in China. Now that does worry me. Uh, you know he's got he's got one of his people uh, over there meeting with Putin, and uh, if China gets involved in this, we're going to be pretty close to it. Won't be a world war in technically, but it will be a world war. You know what I'm saying?
4: Yeah, and and to what extent does China get involved? If they uh, if they go after Taiwan, then it's going to be really bad.
2: Yeah, the balloon um, goes up at that point.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you and and don't and they they've got their eye on Taiwan for some time in the
2: future.
3: Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. Hey, Congressman it's Jimmy Kibben, do you see? You know, bad people look for opportunity, right? And do right. you think with the Biden administration and their clear weakness at times that. Putin and China are seizing this as an opportunity to strike, uh, not just strike at us but to expand like I look at I look at Putin's deal kind of like a, a Hitler maneuver in the sense that he does want to expand and take over those NATO countries. but is this his greatest opportunity because of the Biden administration?
4: yeah i think he definitely sees weakness and putin's always been one that he will he will prod weakness to see see how far he can go and this all started when we had that disastrous withdrawal out of afghanistan yep. that's when they smell mm-hmm. smell blood in the water it's when uh putin started uh amassing troops on the ukrainian border and uh you know, we've historically we've had this idea of peace through street, and Biden's now trying to project street, but he projected so much weakness that he got us in this situation. So I don't know if they if they believe anything about Biden and his tough talk. Uh, but you know, actions I think speak louder than words, and we should be uh, continue to invest heavily in our military and develop new weapon systems, and. You know, get rid of a bunch of this, this wokeness that I think foreign actors are, are looking and seeing how demoralizing that is to our troops. And they see the fact that our recruiting numbers are down. And uh, don't think for a minute they're not watching every little aspect of this they're well, they, trying to figure out where the weak spots are.
2: Sure, they're watching that. They watched how we reacted to the balloon situation over our country. Uh, all of that plays into... Uh, you know how they view us, and not only how they view us, but how they will tell other countries they should view us.
4: Yeah, uh, they're, uh, they're they're forming kind of that axis of evil, like we saw in in World War II. If you look back at the at history and what happened with uh, with Hitler and World War II, and some of the activities that are happening right now, it's eerily similar.
2: Yeah, with Mussolini and then, of course, the Axis powers over in right. Japan. Go ahead, Jim. You had a question, the, and we got to well, take a break.
3: I was just real quickly, I was thinking, do, do you see. Obviously, there's been uh, so much corruption in Ukraine uh, for years and years and years. But do you see a point where we're literally, that the NATO countries and us are literally at some point going to be forced to put Ukraine in NATO?
4: I, I think if. If they withstand Putin's uh, aggression, then there's going to be a hard push to put Ukraine in NATO. But also, you can't forget, like you said, give me the past of Ukraine, and now we're giving them all this military equipment. Uh, maybe Zelensky's a, a good guy, but who's going to be the guy after Zelensky, and what kind of actors are they going to be then? So this is uh kind of like Russian roulette
2: so funny. <laughs> you and, and better it, believe it no here, that's uh, a great assessment <laughs> that's very very good all right congressman we got to get get our break in then we'll come back talk more I'd like to change subjects with you I want to talk about East Palestine Ohio and what do we do with that terrible uh, mess that we've got there and uh you're, I want to find out if your committee has anything to say about it. We'll be we'll be back in just a moment. It's about fourteen minutes until eight o'clock. Congratulations to Sonia Lucas Meyer, uh, the winner of that four package of tickets. We'll give to go see uh, the Jesus Revolution. We'll have uh, another four pack to give away in the half hour between ten thirty and eleven o'clock. That's when Chuck Gerard will join us, the gr- grandfather of. Christian contemporary uh, music. He started the group called Love Song. You might remember them. All right. Let's talk a little bit about ICU. ICU protection. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't feel as safe in my home as I used to. And uh, I took it upon myself to talk to Billy Mack, the owner of ICU protection. And I said, Billy, what can we do to make uh, my house You know, where I don't have to worry about it. And he said, uh, well, let's put door and window sensors on all your doors and windows. Let's set up uh, a couple of cameras uh, that you can't see real good in those areas. But with the cameras, you'll be able to see it all the time. And then we'll feed it all to your smartphone so that it uh, immediately notifies you if there's anybody in and around a car, a person, you know, a big dog, whatever does all of that and i told billy mack okay let's let's make it happen they showed up on uh, one the day that they had said they'd be at my house it took them about four hours they uh, installed everything and uh, then started my uh, service now i pay for the service you don't have to i either same way i didn't you don't have to pay for any of those sensors you don't have to pay for any of those cameras that's not the way it works for most of these places most of them is going to charge you three, four, five hundred dollars right up front to pay for the equipment. The equipment is yours with ICU protection. All you got to do, pay for the service. I pay seventy dollars a month, and I'm well. Uh, have no problem with that. I mean, these are the guys that do nuke one. They keep it under protection. If they can protect a nuclear reactor they can protect my house or if I had a small business my small business. Call them, talk to them, uh, you know, 501-205-1333. Uh, you'll talk to Billy Mack or one of the people that uh work for him. They'll take really good care for uh of you. They did uh, you know, took really good care of me and I I lay my head down on the pillow at night and I don't worry about nothing. That's 501-205-1333, ICU protection. Hey, I wanted to uh, thank the good folks at PI Roofing. I'll be talking about them later here in uh, the hour. Uh, But they stepped forward, and they're making uh, my trip to CPAC happen next week i'll fly out on wednesday we'll broadcast from uh, the event thursday and friday then i'll fly back here to uh, little rock on saturday and i'm really looking forward to it it is always a great great time there's just something about being with several thousand fellow conservatives that everybody thinks kind of like you do that makes it a lot of fun. I'm going to see if Michael Keefe come on with us. You know, uh, They threw him out of uh, Project Veritas. We'll try to get him on and talk to him about that. I know him pretty well. I'll try to get Ben Shapiro on, I promise. I'll try to get Ben to That's come sharp, on yeah. with us.
3: That's sharp, yeah.
2: Ben used to be on my show when he was 16 years old. Uh, and uh, I, I, at that point... Uh, identified him as one of the leading conservative voices coming up. I mean, he is, the guy is so smart, it blows your mind how smart he is. Very quick. Um, oh, yeah. Very quick. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll see if we can get him on and, and talk to him. Right now, though, we're talking to our congressman from the 4th District, and that is Bruce Westerman. Hey, Bruce, uh, Monday. They dropped the education bill here in uh, Arkansas, 144 pages long, and for a state uh, law, that's a lot of pages. Although I had heard it was going to be over 300 pages, I'm glad it's only 144. So, I only, you know, it's going to only put me to sleep two nights this week while I read it. But the bottom line is, uh, there's a lot of great things happening for education. And again, I just want to remind the listeners that you were instrumental. In making this happen back in 2010.
4: Yeah, we we certainly worked on it and tried to extend that tax credit scholarship program. I haven't had a chance to look at the bill that they they filed. There's a lot of lot of chatter about it. And you know, a 144-page bill—they talk about it being long. I'm like, that's just
2: a—you've seen you've seen some long bills, haven't you?
4: <laughs> yeah, you can you can read a 144-page bill, and the way the legislature writes the bills, they include the the code, and they show what was stricken and what was added. A, a bill in Congress is only what's added. You literally have to take the Federal Register and go in and figure out where to. Uh, to insert the new code in the context of what's around it, um, but yeah, it's a, a a big issue, and I know there will be a lot of debate, um, and we'll we'll see where they they go with it. They've got a they got a lot more in that bill than than we were trying to you know we were trying to make a a little difference back then, and and this one apparently has got a lot of stuff. Oh
2: ahead. yeah, you'd be proud. You'd be proud, Congressman. You got to come back. You got to come back and get in there into and uh, direct your attention to the, the House side and speak to them about this and how excited you are about it.
4: Yeah, I uh, I was actually in uh, Little Rock yesterday. I was in my new district there visiting in Pulaski County. Cool. Went over to the, uh, the state police headquarters, which is now in the 4th District, and I met with the Pulaski County judge to talk about um projects and issues they're having and so i'll be spending a lot more time around little rock now that uh, i've got part of it in the fourth district but i uh, didn't get a chance to get by the capitol yesterday I'm,
2: I'm glad little rock needs you yeah they do there's no doubt about that they need you that's that's for sure all right so if you're over in the capitol on a tuesday or thursday i'm broadcasting live on those days except next week uh, come on over and join us. We'd be more, more than happy to have you there. Hey, tell us what what's your. We got two minutes here. Give me a breakdown of what you think about East Palestine, Ohio. It's it's
4: um, it's crazy that the administration is acting like it's it's nothing and it didn't even happen. And you know, I'm on the railroad and pipeline subcommittee on TNI, so I asked for details on it basically all i got was a memo saying it was a um you know nothing out of the ordinary as far as they had a, bear, a bearing failure on one of the cards that caused the derailment and it wasn't as many cars on the train as it takes to trigger some further action it was kind of like they just flippantly put together a, a memo and that everything's okay, but then you see the pictures of it and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what are these people going through? And then you hear that, uh, you know, FEMA's not coming in and the administration is just turning a blind eye to it. I know we'll probably end up having a hearing on this and getting to the bottom of it, uh, but the administration's been very tight-lipped about what's actually happening.
2: All right. Well, maybe you have another person you need to impeach and get rid of, you know, Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> All right, uh, All right. go along with Mayorkas. We appreciate you being with us today. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, I'll be uh, getting a hold of your con- your uh, office. Maybe we can get you on over in uh, uh, Maryland next week uh, while we were at CPAC. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Congressman. Yep. Thanks, Dave. Love to see you up there. All right. Take, Take care. care. We'll talk to you later. we got news coming your way next. All right, let's get back to it. 8 o'clock in the morning, Dave Ellswick's show. Daniel Dew is going to join us. He is with the Pacific Liberty Legal Foundation. Uh, On my show yesterday, we talked to uh, State Senator uh, Dan Sullivan. He's got Senate Bill 71 uh, that is uh, going through the meat grinder, known as committees. Uh, in the Senate and in, then over to the House, and it's dealing with affirmative action. In California, now this is, look, as, as conservative as we are, California dealt with this back in the 80s and uh, and got rid of it. And then the, the people tried to uh, get it back into to play again, I think, in the early 21st century, and the people of California voted it down again. So uh Daniel comes in here from the Pacific Liberty Legal Foundation. He'll be talking uh in front of committees today about this particular piece of legislation. Daniel, thanks for giving us the time. I know we got just about 10 minutes, so I'll be I'll be brief with you. But you guys have already dealt with this. Of all the things in, in the world, California uh has dealt with this already. What what's wrong with all the other states? I mean, we're we're playing catch up on this.
5: Yeah, 11, 11 states have have passed either legislation or constitutional amendments, like the the bill in California or the the constitutional amendment in California. And unfortunately, you know, there are still thirty nine states out there that need to to implement this to make sure that you know not just to end affirmative action. This this prohibits all discrimination based on race and basically says that government has to treat people as individuals not as a group or class based on race ethnicity religion etc
2: okay so what what will be your main impetus here as you sit in front of the committee what are you going to try to impress upon them
5: yeah the, the main the main thing that we're trying to impress upon them is that the 14th amendment even though our Supreme Court, as of yet, hasn't interpreted it to, to require laws to, to uh, be race neutral. Uh, that's really what the 14th Amendment meant. And the state has an opportunity to take that corrective action and to make sure that each person is treated as an individual. And the other thing is to, to let them know that the sky isn't going to fall. So when California did this, it, it passed this constitutional amendment originally in 1996 um, and you know, college admissions is the big place where people want to talk about this. But in 1997, um, underrepresented minorities received 18% of state college um, admission offers. But by 2012, that number went up to 30.5% um, received or were underrepresented minorities who received admission offers from state universities. So what we've seen is that that the education system and the universities were able to adopt and live with this race-neutral thing, and it benefited everyone.
2: Okay, so it seems to me the the big uh, legal fight right now is over Asian Americans. Is that not correct?
5: That's that's very true. We um, that's what we saw in the North Carolina and Harvard cases before the U.S. Supreme Court. We're still waiting for a decision on that, but there's evidence that that they were discriminated against based on their race.
2: Yeah, can't have too many of those Asians in there.
5: <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, and it's not just universities. We have a case right now in out of Northern Virginia where there was a magnet school whose uh, whose the board the school board said that the school was too Asian. And so they changed their admission policies to, to have less Asian students in the school.
2: How do you, this is going to be this $64 million question here. How do you sit down and logically have a discussion with somebody who does not want to do this by merit, but wants to do this by uh, telling people, People, well, if you're of a certain ethnicity, if you're a certain color, uh, we're going to give you an extra seventy points on your your test or whatever. I mean, how do you talk to people like that? I mean, they come from a they come from a wrong premise at the very beginning.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's it can be a little bit difficult, but I think that that most of the time when you talk to people one on one, it's harder in a group setting, right? But when you talk to people one on one, they understand. And as long as they see that what you're trying to do, you're you're coming from a good place, and you're not, uh, it's not a racist place. They'll they'll talk to you, and you can have those conversations. And you know, so what I try to emphasize is that even in the UNC Harvard cases, it's not saying that that the university can't take into account that they overcame hardships in their lives. What they can't do is say you automatically get these hardship points just because of your race, because that's not That's not tailored to the individual, and and that's what the law and the state needs to do when dealing with people is look at them as an individual and not just put them in a box based on their race.
2: All right, so last question. How do you think you're going to be, uh, you know, uh, when you show up in front of the committee, you think they're going to be positive when they talk to you?
5: I I think so. I always I always try to go in and hope that, that they're going
2: to be positive. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Well, me too. I I don't know. It's been going on for so long. I don't know if people understand what really should happen, or if they're like, well, it's been happening so so long. Why should we change it now? Uh, Daniel, thanks for your time. I appreciate Daniel Dew was our guest. He is with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Uh, He's coming in from California. He's going to be talking to legislators today. Uh, Are you in front of, is it in front of the Judiciary Committee that you'll be talking today?
5: No, actually, one of my colleagues is is going to be testifying today. um, I think it's Health and Human Services. Oh, okay. A bill related to this where there's actually a racial quota on the social services, uh, social workers licensing
2: board. Wow. It's everywhere. It is everywhere. Daniel, thanks for your time. That's Laura that's going to be talking to him then. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I appreciate you giving us the time this morning. We'll let you get back to what you were doing. I promised you 10 minutes. It has been 10 minutes exactly. Thank you so much. All right. You have a good one. All right. Daniel Dew here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, he's got a lot of stuff to get done.
3: Yeah. You know, interesting. Talk to him. What I would encourage people to do is go to the legislative website because this would be a hearing, this would be a committee hearing and testimony that you would want to listen to. If you go to the website and go to the committees, you'll see a a little box. What's the website?
2: You know what it is. uh, What is
3: it? it, Oh, gosh, the Arkansas uh, State Legislature. Just Google that in there. Arkleg or whatever? Yes, ArcLake. And if you go, you'll see an icon uh, on those committee meetings that says video. You can watch this live or you can watch it later tonight. I would think this would be one uh, a testimony in a committee meeting that would be worth watching.
2: Yeah, if you still are open to facts, watch it.
3: Yeah, and I'll bring this up, and I know we've got to go to a break in a minute, but <clears throat> you think about this Senate Bill 71 that they're talking about uh, put forth. Let's ask ourselves this question. Would this bill even be put forth if Asa Hutchinson was still governor?
2: The answer is no. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> the answer, I think, is no. All right. <coughs> Things have changed immensely. In a good way. Over its capital. Yes, definitely. We have, we have a governor who is pushing forth very strongly. On uh, pro freedom types of legislation, and it's uh, it's it's really a real breath of breath of fresh air.
3: Well, she's pushing equality, true yeah.
2: equality, yep. right? Yep, equality yeah. for everyone. Speaking about uh, the Capitol, we'll be there again tomorrow. Uh, the uh, Attorney General is supposed to stop by and talk with us tomorrow, so we'll, that'd be we'll good. see what he has to say. I want to talk to him about truth and sentencing and some other things that the. Prisons, all of that, uh, you know. What it, parole? Get his get
3: his take on strengthening for you.
2: Oh yeah, we'll talk about that as well. Yeah, I I think he's all about that. I'm
3: excited about Tim Griffin being AG. Yeah, he's good. He'll yeah. be good.
2: He'll be excellent. Uh, we'll be uh, Alan Kerr is going to be my co-host. Uh, oh, that be good. Alan and I are very good friends, and he used to be, of course, the uh, uh, commissioner of uh, insurance here yep. for the state. He was a state legislator. Uh, for six years. He was on the Pulaski uh, County Quorum Court for a few years. So he's been in a lot of different situations of uh, making and, and changing laws, so he'll have a lot of interesting things to say as well. All right, we've got to get back uh, here in just a moment. We'll do that with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stick around, we've got a lot more to talk about. is going to be heard today, and uh, they're going to be talking uh, about how it affects uh, health care as well. You heard him talking yeah. that Laura's going to be over there talking about that. But uh, thanks to the folks in the Pacific Legal Foundation uh, for flying in from California and sharing the story of California and why they changed it. Th- this is a needed change.
3: Th- well, of course it is. This has been needed for a long time. Yeah. You know, it goes back to saying, you know, okay, at some point you say, okay, desegregation, using desegregation, which is language in this bill, was needed and everything. But then it gets to a point that desegregation is actually segregating. Yes, it is. And so... (laughs) I became became
2: interested in this, and I forget what year it was, but it was over in Tennessee. And it was, they were trying to bring in more black officers Mm -hmm. into the state police. And so... If you were a uh, an applicant and uh, your skin color was black they gave when you took the test to see if you could go to school uh with the state of Tennessee to become a state police officer I forget how many points just because your skin was black you got uh to try to as they said offset uh, offset uh the uh the black uh applicants not having the same kind of education uh, opportunities as, as white students and other students. And what really drove me nuts is that uh, people that scored really high were kept from that field because uh, they had black applicants that got X amount of, of points.
3: Yeah, I think 10 years ago, I remember law lawsuit with some firefighters brought a lawsuit because they had scored and they got passed over because they were simply white and not and not black and but i also go back to the time it's kind of when when things are needed but it gets to a point that that what you put in place to correct something is actually now the problem yes
2: and it is a problem yeah
3: i'll give you example i have a uh a friend and i won't say his name won't say the fire department but i have a friend that uh here in central arkansas that Got out of school was well known in his community. Went into the Air Force, uh, came out of the Air Force, uh, and he's my age. in In the Air Force part of his deal was firefighting, and he went to apply to the municipal fire department, the town he grew up in, here in Central Arkansas. And he scored a hundred on the test. Now this was in 1983, and uh, my friend's black, and he scored a hundred on the test, and he didn't get hired. Okay, that was a reason at that time for things like this, but so I get that, but that that's past that was that was in the seventies and eighties. We're in a situation now where that doesn't exist anymore, so what we've done is we've taken a situation. To where we put in place things to say hey that's not fair to my friend it wasn't it was ridiculous and it was based off him being black that's just the truth right but that's not the case anymore so now we've gone to the opposite side that the very people we uh the very people we were trying to protect we have given them such advantage that the other people are now getting discriminated against and that's wrong. That's just as right. – I'm saying it's just as wrong what's going on with this now as what happened to my friend.
2: Oh, I agree. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree. And I hope that uh, Arkansas is going to make this necessary change because as we heard from uh, Daniel Dew uh there's a lot of states that still haven't made this change.
3: Now, and, uh, and it's and it's discriminatory. If we're going to say discriminate, we have got to apply it to if you're discriminated against, what matter what difference doesn't matter what color you are. If you're discriminated against, you're discriminated against, yes, right?
2: And it that is exactly the correct. Uh little update to you. This is the reason why I moved south. Okay? A massive <laughs> winter storm has cut off power for thousands of Americans. In the central and western U.S., forcing nearly 1,000 flights to be grounded in cancellations or delays. The winter storm stretches from Michigan all the way back to California, bringing dense snowfall to much of the Midwest and Great Lakes area. Minneapolis facing a staggering up to 24 inches in projected snowfall in areas of Utah, Colorado, and Wyoming will match that amount. Let me tell you about Utah and Colorado, they're happy. All those ski bunnies, they're, look, yeah. they're looking forward to it. Wyoming, different story. That's bad on their cattle, just to let you know. More than 900 flights across the U.S. was canceled as of early this morning, according to the Wall Street Journal. The Denver International Airport and Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport accounted for most of those cancellations. Meanwhile, more than 100,000 power outages have been reported in California alone, which is now feeling only the beginning of the storm. Uh, The National Weather Service has issued a warning to residents of over a dozen states. A prolonged major winter storm will spread a large swath of heavy snow from the west coast to the northeast, said the National Weather Service. So hopefully, fingers crossed, this will not affect my trip uh, to CPAC. Uh, this will be extremely disruptive to travel, infrastructure, livestock, and recreation. The storm is expected to spread and affect the northeast and New England later Wednesday and Thursday. Well, I'm not going until next Wednesday, so they should be able to dig out by then.
3: So leaving leaving all that up north to come down here and take on allergies was was well worth it. Yes. Good trade.
2: It defi- yes, definitely it that, that that's fine with me i'll put up with the allergies my i don't know about everybody else but i think allergy time has uh, kicked in early It this has year. for me i, can I know tell you i'm that. i'm having to take uh, double the dose uh normal that i take uh for for, uh, for allergies already because it's just kicking my booty uh, you know You've been sitting here watching me all morning long. Oh,
3: i yeah. got a
2: big, I got a pile of tissue sitting in front that's of me. That's right. You I'm mopping you. up all the time as I go along. Hey, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Hannity with his uh, shot of mourning uh, for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Mm-hmm. That's coming your way. Uh, other news that's out there uh, to see what's going on. They're talking about uh, evidently something happened with White Castle. And they did something that they shouldn't have done, shared somebody's fingerprints or something. And the people are trying to sue them for millions upon millions of dollars. So uh, if I find more on that story, I'll let you know. Uh, By the way, the mayor of Chicago having some problems right now. You know, they've got that. No. they got that that, uh, way of voting where there's like nine people running for mayor of Chicago. And uh, two weeks, I think, they'll vote on that and if you're in the if you don't have over 50 plus 1 you can't win right so they take the top two finishers and they run off the right. mayor uh, Lightfoot's not in the top 2 really yeah she's like in fourth place
3: Oh my God! So, so she's trying to figure out a way to s- well, screw it know, up and steal it.
2: And- I guess all those people that got killed by gun crime haven't uh, turned out, out of the graves yet to vote for.
3: You know, I, I, I hesitate to even say this because I try not to go there. You see all the memes, and I try not to call people names because I don't well, want to be like Beetlejuice. That's I was going. That's worth the one I was I'll going, going there. with. I mean, I've <laughs> been saying
2: that for a long, long time. That
3: was just too hard to pass up.
2: Yes, it was. I mean, she <laughs> I mean, looks exactly like Beetlejuice. You mean, know the shrunken head beetle juice, in fact. I
3: know, and I hate to even do it, but that one's just too hard to pass up. <laughs> I mean,
2: <laughs> but more than that, her policies are absolutely destructive um, to the people on the south on the a southwest serious note, side.
3: Serious note: there are, there are hundreds, probably thousands, of people dead because of her policies. I'll say I it. I agree. Well, it's true. Blood on our hands, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. That's the way it is. All right,
2: so let's get to Sean Hannity. He's coming up. We'll hear what he has to say. Uh, we've still got about an hour and a half left in this show today. Don't forget, at 1030, we're going to have Chuck Gerard. He's going to join us, and we're going to talk to him. He is the godfather of Christian contemporary music. We'll talk to him. He's one of the first groups, you know, love, love song. We'll talk to him about what was the Jesus Movement really like. Real time. I can tell you, but I'd rather he tell you. I was there, but so was he. So we'll talk. And he was there in California. But right now, here's Sean Hannity on 1011 FM, the answer. Calling us here in just a moment. Want to bring you up to date on what's going on with FOIA. Of course, uh, uh, Jimmy and I got upset last week because there was a lot of hubbub going on behind the scenes that they were going to try to water FOIA down, and uh, a lot of that has subsided ever since we got on the air and started talking about it.
3: I think it's really subsided, and uh, which it needed to. I I really had a problem with, the, with where the direction was going on that. There were some bills that were going to be introduced that I'm getting and you're getting now, are being pulled back.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll see if if that occurs. I mean, uh, there's. A, I, I talked to Senator Dan Sullivan and some other senators about it and said, well, they're not going to go anywhere.
3: I talked to uh, uh, Rep. Brian Evans, who's the chair of the Education Committee uh, down in Cabot, and I talked with him about it, and he said, he said, Jimmy he said, I'm not, I'm not know of any bills that are coming. Uh, of course, he's focused on education. Uh, he said, "Of course, you always hear you always hear every year some stuff on that." He said, "But I haven't seen anything coming." in. He's not expecting. No, that's anything good. Anything to come? So, all right. So, Joey McCutcheon's join
2: join us here on the Dave Ells week. Joey, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks. Good to meet you. Yesterday, uh, yesterday, I've never met you before. And uh, had
3: you never met Joey? No,
2: I hadn't. He cleans up well, man. They, yeah, he does. They power, you know, They power washed right, him true. the whole nine yards. <laughs> he looked really good. And uh, it was it was a pleasure to to spend some time with him and talk to him a little bit. Uh, I was packing up gear, and I, I get pretty much tunnel vision when I'm packing up my gear to get ready to get out of the capital. I I like broadcasting the capital, but I want to be out of the capital as fast as I can. Yeah. It, yeah, it drives me crazy. All right, so we were talking about this, Joey. We had uh, we've had you on in the past talking about FOIA. You have been a staunch uh, defender. Very aggressive defender of FOIA, along with Robert Steinbach. You guys have done more for FOIA than any other uh, two uh, legal people that I know of. And now there's there has been some talk about there are people within the party that were saying, well, we need to dial this back. Maybe we went too far uh, because some school boards were saying, ooh, it's costing us a lot of money. Uh, ooh, we got to put somebody in charge of getting all this information. Oh, there's some bad actors. Well, I hate to tell them this, but there's bad actors in everything, and you don't take every other actor's <laughs> rights away with them because you have some bad actors. Oh, except for guns. and guns, that's okay. So what do you, what do you think, uh, Joy? We're hearing that they're pulling all of this talk back. Are you hearing the same thing?
6: Well, I, I think the issue that I have is, you know, Dave, we shouldn't be talking about defending for you. Uh, we should be talking about promoting for you. And uh, we need legislators, and and there are there are some out there uh, who are going to promote for you. We need bills that are gonna that are going to uh, protect open meetings. We need bills that say that two uh, two school board members can't meet and discuss business that is coming before the governing body discuss it decide on it or anything else and the problem is is that uh we the legislature has let the supreme court decide what a meeting is and the legislature excuse me the supreme court has said it's not our job to define what a meeting is it's the legislator's job this is the one area that legislators will not assert control And they've allowed the Supreme Court to to basically say that school board members can talk about any time they want to about anything they want to, even business coming before in in uh, in secret. And uh, the legislature needs to step up to the plate and define what a meeting is.
2: Well, there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on. You know, I, yesterday when I had Dan Sullivan on, uh, <clears throat> on, I didn't realize that the librarians, when you're talking about books that you might be worried about being in the school library that they go behind closed doors to talk about whether to remove those books or not. That's wrong. That should be done right in front of the, the parents so they know why they're going to allow uh, essentially what I think is this pieces of pornography into a, a a school library.
6: Yeah. And you uh, talk about FOIA. Uh, I was involved in a FOIA case in, uh, Senator Sullivan's uh, home, home city of Jonesboro, we uh, uh, filed a FOIA case uh, with a, a closed meeting. We've gotten two judgments against, uh, you know, the, that library uh, there. And, you know, so FOIA is important in terms of bringing information to the public. <clears throat> and it's on this very issue you're talking about, about this. It is pornography in the library. Uh, I was on the the media, and I uh, one night I got on an interview, and I'm like, "If you don't believe this is pornography, then I tell you what we're going to do here. I'm going to take this book cover, and I'm going to take I'm going to show you these pictures, and and I'll give you an interview, but you have to agree to show what our 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 children are seeing uh, in the Jonesboro Library."
2: And they uh, said they no, right? Yeah,
6: because it's, it, it's porn it's pornography. They will not show it.
2: Yeah, they got in all kinds of trouble if they put that on yeah. television. Abs- absolutely. Right. And and that goes a long way. It's it's kinda like the, the thing in East Palestine.
3: Hey the water is all right, well here are you drinking. Oh no, I'll pass. You know, uh at the Conway School Board a couple two or three months ago on one of the books that they got removed, uh board member Doctor Naylor had the librarian and the people up and said, Okay, here's this book. I want you to read this expert from this book that's in our library. And, Would they do it? Well, no. They get to the certain words and they say the D word or something. you look at and go, well, wait a minute. You know, this is, you can't. You're not going to read that word here in public at the, right. at the board meeting, but <clears> it's <throat> in our libraries for our kids to read. And of course, they got rid of the book and he took flack for it. And I'm I telling right now, bravo for him.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, he did it the right way. I mean, it. Look, if the librarian doesn't want to say the the words in public, then probably you don't need. Uh, a youngster reading that kind of material uh you know at
3: home or or in a classroom maybe i don't know no it's just crazy and and, uh joey talking about the open meeting open meeting laws uh what it seems like the school boards, superintendents and that's the big push coming from them because one of the arguments i got is said well you know, if if they can't meet privately, then they can't speak freely. T- talk to us about that because that's absurd.
6: Yeah, that, that is that is absurd. They can speak as freely as they want to. Just do it before us. Just do it before a, a, a called meeting that we have noticed that you're going to be doing it. Problem is, they don't want to discuss. They don't think we can handle the truth. And uh, we need to hear the truth. We need to know how the sausage is being made. And one of the things that's very concerning to me is, is when a conservative Republican legislator says that we need to limit for you. That's very concerning. What that Republican legislator better understand is the, it, at some time in our society, the roles will be uh, reversed. And that Republican uh, legislator uh, may want open access, may want open records, may want open meetings. Uh, when the Democrats are in control, uh, so uh, what you ask for, some sometimes you better you better watch it or you might get what you ask for, and uh, you know FOIA is not a conservative issue, it's not a liberal issue, it is it's a freedom issue. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is this is what we've been trying to move away from for years. Those what we used to say, the smoke-filled uh, back rooms where they were making all the deals and nobody knew what was going on other than the, the, the people who had all the seniority uh, in, in the politics. So, uh, man, we've come a long way from that, but we, we still have a long way to go, Joey.
6: Well, you know, you're, you, you talk about uh, the halls of the Capitol. You walked through that place yesterday. All you see are lobbyists. You know, they don't want to see citizens down there. They don't want citizens to testify. You know, we, we talk about who's controlling FOIA. It's the municipal league. It's the association of county governments and those bureaucrats who are down there every day who are trying to take away our rights. And uh, and to me, that's a that's a scary thought. Arkansas School Board one,
3: Association, right?
6: Yeah, yeah. I ran into one of their lawyers yesterday. I've got a case filed in Branch. Where branch, after several years, was still not recording their meetings. So, uh, local citizen J.B. Uh, uh, Turner, we filed suit, uh, wanted a, wanted a court order stating that they violated for you by not videotaping their meetings. And then they want to say that that Mr. Turner says something in in the meeting that he didn't say. The minute, many times the minutes aren't accurate. So that's when I, when I say. We want proactive FOIA bills. We don't want it to be defending all the time. That was a great bill several years ago. Uh, Representative Flowers, Stephanie Flowers, brought that. Brought uh, this piece of FOIA requiring that all governing bodies um, either either um, uh, have voice recordings, have video recordings of of all meetings. Then there's there's absolutely no uh room for someone to say oh i didn't say that oh well let's look at the video (laughs) yeah
2: yeah Yeah, that didn't go so well for uh you know the mayor of chicago yesterday told people to stay home from voting and then somebody said she said she didn't say it to a reporter and then they played it for her and she says oh in the heat of the moment i just misspoke myself yeah yeah yeah, I, sure. I, always li- I always like. I always like. They misspoke themselves. You know what misspoke means. If you d- if you w- were younger and you said that to your dad or your mom, they said, "Oh, you mean you lied to us?" <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's 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 what would be going that's on day, as far yeah. as that's that, that's concerned. Now we say they're <clears throat> disingenuous or they misspoke themselves. No, they lied. To they, us. Lie. they lied. That's that's what that means. All right, let's take a quick break. You stay right where you are at. And we're gonna to talk to you further. Uh I wanna to talk to you about this whole thing about I it still amazes me that we've got to come up with a piece of legislation, I guess, that that designates what is a meeting. I can go to the yeah. I can go to the uh dictionary and read you pretty simple, a, a pretty <laughs> straight definition about what a meeting is. But we'll get back to that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick show. Don't forget about PI roofing. PI roofing. If you need a roof on your home, they're the people to deal with. I've dealt with them. Uh, two times during time I've owned my home out in Cabot. They've done a fantastic job both times. Uh, they've come out and fixed leaks that have occurred in my uh, my home. In fact, the last one they did, uh, check this out. They looked for this leak. There was a leak in my kitchen. That's in the middle of the house. And they found the problem, and it was a nail at the front of the house in the garage. The water was hitting that nail, and then it would get underneath the uh, the all the the rest of it, as far as the the shingles and the felt and all of that, and it would follow the path of least resistance, and it and it took it all the way to the kitchen, and that's where it was leaking at. And they found it. They uh, took and uh, and drove that nail in. They put a little bit of of uh, tar kind of stuff on it haven't had a leak since they do a great job they do a fantastic job plus now they're home solutions as well if you need some kind of uh of uh you know work done on your on uh a wall that uh has gotten wet from a leak or maybe you have a deck that needs some help they'll do that for you the big places construction places won't give you time of day but the folks at p i roofing will and then my last thing I wanted to say is again my thanks for them making it possible for me to go CPAC uh, next week and bring you all the information that will occur there as far as all of the guests that will will attend. And we'll get as many of them on as we possibly can. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, a break, uh, and then we're back with more. And, Bill, and uh, Jimmy's with us, Joey's with us, and we'll talk further about this, uh, about FOIA on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's get back to Joey here on the Dave Ellsberg Show. Talk to a little bit more about FOIA. You had a question for him there. Yeah, uh, I've, got,
3: I've got a, I've got a couple things. And don't let me forget to go back on open meetings, though. But this is what I want to ask, Joey. We've seen this this surge to attack FOIA from some uh, so-called conservative Republicans that is seeming to backfire. Now we seem to put that fire out. Uh, thanks to Dave getting the word out and some other people. But should this turn into actually an opportunity for us to go to use as opportunity? This is exactly why we need to strengthen for you. And what do you see besides open meetings that needs to be strengthened?
6: Well, I, I think that uh, a couple of things. I, You know, I think there's, there's some things that are pretty simple changes. Uh, like, for example, uh, I think that uh, – I think that school boards, all governing bodies, need training. You know, we're going through a legislative session right now. Undoubtedly, there will be some kind of bill which, which uh, affects openness, which affects the Freedom of Information Act. I think there needs to be a training bill. I think governing bodies need to be tra- need to have at least one training, annual training, every year, where, where they discuss w- somebody who's knowledgeable about FOIA, discusses with them, uh, Supreme Court decisions, you know, appellate decisions which affect the Freedom of Information Act, uh, legislation that may be passed this time, uh, open meetings, open records, and you know, and in, in, in other subjects that that may arise. And I, I think that's one thing that that would help um, educate people. Well, I was talking to a gentleman in the Capitol yesterday, and he was talking about you know, people need to be educated. You know, uh, we've got a website. Um, Arkansas uh, Transparency and Government Group, uh, we've, got a, a, we've got a statewide website, and we try to put articles you know, out on, on that website. But, but our, if you're going to run for office, you need to be uh, educated about open government. I think another simple bill uh, that, that I want to see passed and that we're in the process, got in the works now, in addition to this training bill, by the way, we're coming forth with this training bill uh, it ought to be a it ought to sail through the houses if people are serious about about uh, freedom.
2: Yeah, it should
3: be a slam uh, dunk. Openers. Yeah. So you you yeah. you've got a bill. There's a bill coming forward. Is that right?
6: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the bill coming forward on on uh, training governing bodies about FOIA. There's another bill uh, coming forward uh, about a, a simple fix. You know, when I send a record request and the the particular body. Doesn't answer me. It, it begs the question: Are they just blowing me off? Do they not have the records? Is there an exemption to FOIA which they're relying on? So we've crafted a bill uh, that's that's uh, going to to make within within three working days the governing body say either we don't have the records, here's an ex- it, it's we believe it's exempt, and here's the particular exemption, uh, or I'm not the the right custodian, but this is the right custodian, and I think that's a consumer friendly bill, and it ought to be a no brainer in a legislative session yeah, I would agree with that
3: yeah well it's we we need to you just what, a lot of times and i people come out and say, Jimmy, I sent it but I of course they just refuse to respond, and that that would negate all that, and they they need to respond, don't they Joey?
6: Well, you know what it what it results in Jimmy is needless lawsuits, you know. We we always hear particularly conservatives talk about all these frivolous lawsuits. <laughs> but, right. You know, if somebody doesn't give me records and I don't know the reason why and they won't tell me. You know, and that's not to say most governing bodies won't say, "Hey, you know, send me a send me a letter and say, "Hey Joey, we just we don't have those records." Okay. But but there are some like like a Cabot, for example, you know. Hey, you've got those you've got those school districts out there. You've got those jurisdictions out there that just want to play hardball with everybody, and uh, they're not going to tell you whether they have them or not. So this this bill guards against that that uh, you know because hey, there's bad apples on both sides of this fence. I got you. There may be a few citizens that are bad apples, but there's also governing bodies that are bad apples, and you know why. Because they have a bad apple lawyer who wants to make a lot of money uh, through through getting sued, and I'm I'm really convinced of that. There are cases for cases that should be settled, but law firms are making some big bucks defending for cases, and it's wrong.
2: Yeah, they're making bank. What can I say? Joey, stay with us. We'll be back after the news. If you want to call back, you can do that. Uh, you know, go pour yourself another cup of coffee or grab a legislator and talk to him. We'll talk to you later here on the Dave Ellswick Show a little bit after 9 o'clock. Right here on 101.1, the answer. Uh, Attorney here in Arkansas, a FOIA advocate, and we've been talking about FOIA during uh, this last half hour. Still a couple of things that we want to discuss that you need to know about and and be aware about. And, And I'll be honest, the reason we've come up with this uh, discussion is because uh, last week we heard that there were some uh, people that were looking to uh, put together some legislation that would water down FOIA, and instead of watering down FOIA, I want to make it stronger. I want FOIA to have some teeth in it, to that people don't follow the law, that they can be held, uh, you know, in a court of law responsible for not doing that, and that's, uh, I think, very important. Uh, look, I I grew up when, you know, uh, transparency was not the operative word in politics. It was just the opposite. I mean, I grew up outside of Chicago, and let me tell you, uh, you know, the boss, Mayor Daley, the original Mayor Daley, was not uh, transparent at all. You couldn't get information uh, unless you could, you know, Develop a source for yourself that would feed some to you, and, and that's always something that you got to be careful of because everybody has, uh, you know, something that uh, that they're trying to get done. So, um, you know, you don't know what if what you're hearing is true or it's not true, and you know, Joey, I just don't understand why you know. That there, there are people that want to go back to those days. I hated those days, and you're right. You know, you might be able to get by it now, but in another five, ten years, uh, you know, power can change, and suddenly you're on the outside looking in. And uh, here's the key: you can't look in because they've got it where you can't see what's going on.
6: That's true. That is that is so true that's why we need to we need to uh several years ago they wanted to lengthen the time that government bodies had to to respond to FOIA you know no that's not right i mean we they need to understand we 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 pay them we pay them to work you know our tax dollars pay them to to produce these records and i'll tell you this 99.9% of the population out there is reasonable if a local school board says, "Hey, we need a few few more days," uh, they're given a few more days. Yeah. I don't I don't think there's anybody out there begging to say, "Hey, Joey, let's sue them today," and you know maybe we can be in court in the next few. No, they just want their records. Most people do. Uh, there's there's a few bad apples out there, but um, you know in Fort Smith, I'll be very frank. We have a law firm here in Fort Smith who fights tooth and nail on every FOIA issue. That's why Fort Smith is known for the, for for its lack of transparency because I've sued them so many times. Um, you know, we've got one coming down from the Supreme Court uh, any day now. We may lose it, but I think I think it's a, it's a case uh, that that needed to be brought to the Supreme Court. I mean, we've been up we've been up against the city of Fort Smith numerous times, and we think it's important not only legislatively legislatively to protect for you, but if there's a case that needs there's a bad local decision that needs to be brought uh, to the Supreme Court uh, we'll do that Robert Steinbuck's you know uh done that um, so um you, you we've just gotta we've got to protect open open government
2: i mean how tough uh, is it i mean really seriously how tough is it to you You need to teach the people that are on these you know uh, city councils or whatever that you don't throw nothing away, that you you archive it, and that if we need it, then we expect you to share it with us so that we can share it with the responsible party that's
6: asking for it. you know I don't, I don't think that's a difficult proposition, and I think I don't either. most most government most governing bodies do an excellent job. You know, they they really try to do a good job. Um, and, you know, it, it's the few bad apples that, that spoil the rest. Uh, we kind of got down this subject of, you know, lawyers and law firms. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm many times I'm disappointed. Cases, particularly in FOIA, that should be settled immediately or, or drug out, and, and I feel like they're drug out so that the law firm can, can make a huge sum of dollars. We're, we're seeing it. that
3: right now, aren't we, Joey?
6: Yeah, we, we see it in Cabot. Yep. I've seen it in Fort Smith. Uh, you know, when I when I have appealed cases up, I'm like, city, hire a lawyer out here. You can get three lawyers at the price of what this local law firm who represents you uh, is, is charging the taxpayers of Fort Smith to, to file all these briefs and everything else in the case. Um uh, and to me, that that's just that's just wrong.
3: You know, when you when
2: unconscionable you, is what it is.
3: When when you talk about training, uh, requiring them to have training, I think that's such a good point. But the key is going to be who's doing the training. I'll give you an example. On school boards, they say, "Well, we already get training. Well, you get it from the Arkansas State School Board Association." And I've sat in on those training sessions, and the training is to be non-transparent. And FOIA <clears throat> Joey, for the people out there, explain them, FOIA is not that hard to understand. The law is not that hard to understand, is
6: it? Well, I mean what is is, Jimmy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now we argued that for a while back in the day, didn't we?
3: Here's something else I want to bring up. One of the arguments that school boards uh in uh school boards have is they well, you know, we only meet once a month, so we need to discuss it outside those meetings or we don't know what's going on. But, Joey, what I've tried to tell him, and, and I want to get your perspective on this, is I've said, look, nothing limits you from meeting more than once a month. You can meet every week. You could conceivably meet every day. You just got to give a notification and do it in public. Now, is that right?
6: Yeah, sure. sure they can. They can have special meetings, just give – you know, if they have a special meeting, if they have an emergency meeting, I mean, there's there's clear laws where emergency meeting, they give a couple hours notice, um, you know, they're, they're they can, not. They can
3: have workshops. They can do, yeah, they just got to do it in you, you bet
6: they can, and, and they do. They have committee meetings, um, you know, again, which are open, open public meetings. Um you know this argument that they they don't have time to discuss it. It's not that they don't have time to discuss the business in front of us. Is that they don't they don't want to have the tough discussions in front of us. They don't want to expose the 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 dirt to us. You know we have to expose the dirt. They want to have those little discussions. You know privately. They don't want to air their dirty laundry before the you know we the people uh, and and that's and again that's some some boards some do but i think you've got to have open frank conversations uh with the public you've got to have those discussions where where you're not only saying this is this is we're voting this way you're telling us why and if i hear the why many times i'll say hey i don't i don't agree with that but i can understand where you're coming from and thank you for having that 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 public conversation before me now that i know your reasoning I uh, will agree to disagree and then, you know then it ends then but when you get a board uh who comes in and and boom they make a decision there's no there's no reasoning behind it uh, you know that's when you develop a distrust from from the public and you know the, you can't have distrust you've got to have you've or, or there's a lack of trust
7: yeah
2: I'm all with you on that, all right, so what are some of the things that you want to do? You, you want to share them with us at this time, or do you want to hold them close? you know you're playing the gambler right now, you know when to hold them, you know when to fold them uh, what's going on as far as uh, uh, this is concerned
6: as far as uh, four years concerned yes yeah, I, I think we've hit on I think we've hit on a couple of them. Uh, training you know which is which is certainly um which is certainly important you know telling us whether you have the records or don't or what the exemptions are i think i think it's another uh very simple straightforward uh bill which would which would help uh consumers but but i think the biggie that that nobody seems to want to tackle is the the definition of a meeting you see because as, as long as As long as it can be murky, which it is now, there's all kinds of Supreme Court decisions out there. Uh, So nobody knows. The citizens don't know and the governing bodies don't know. Uh, Am I violating FOIA if I talk to to, uh, Joe Bob, you know, one of my council members? Uh, What what if we just meet and we talk about the hog game last night? Is, Is that a violation of FOIA? Fort Smith keeps saying that's a violation of FOIA, which is... Ludicrous! I, I want I, what so so I want a very simple definition that states that chance encounters of of two or more uh, governing body folks uh, is not a meeting. In other words, they can they can you know meet and talk about their kids or the hogs or whatever they want to talk about, but. They can't violate the spirit of FOIA and then go on and start discussing and deciding public business. So if two or more meet and they start, they discuss or decide public business outside of a public meeting, that's a violation of FOIA. I mean, who could be against that?
2: Well, it's pretty simple if you ask me, Joey. I mean, it's in the dictionary. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you don't have to dig very far first – First uh, definition is a meeting of two or more people to discuss business
6: and what I've seen in this state is there's a you know there's there's always this element of who's who's got the power the legislator, the legislature uh-huh. or the supreme court legislature will say oh the the Supreme Court's trying to take our power away supreme court legislature you're trying to take my power now. I want to give it to them on a silver platter. Legislature define what a meeting is.
1: I, I
3: agree, and, and you know, there's there's a particular, and I won't bore everybody with the language, but there's a particular AG opinion that I think says it the best. That Pickens in the ruling and Pickens actually backed up. But we, I think, I think what we got to do, and I think what you're saying, Joey, is that we've got to get away from courts and AG opinions. In courts, giving interpretation in, in 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 particular cases, and let's get let the legislature off their butt, do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, and here them, is what a meeting yeah, is, and in them here. say, and then yeah, it's not up I mean, to Yeah, and Robert, Robert, and I, uh, we, we drafted, we went
6: before the uh, state agency, Senate State Agencies, uh, two years ago with a, with a definition of meeting, and they promptly sent us out of the room with with uh, no decision. Uh, we've got another one right now. This is the one, Dave, this is the one that's going to be the controversial bill uh, that, that I hope to file this session. I've worked countless hours on this bill. Uh, I think I've got some folks who will sponsor it. Uh, you know, again, um, I, we expect a tussle. We expect a battle from the, from the uh, Municipal League. We expect a battle from, from um, Associated County Government. Um, you know the problem that I see is is what do old what do what do some of my old school board members become? They become legislators yeah <laughs> yeah that's so right like, <laughs> and, and, and you know, and a lot of them would like to have these tough discussions um you know at the back of the Mcdonald's or, you know um over the dinner table and not not when we 're watching, and that 's just not right it 's not comfortable uh but but hey, you as I've told them here in Fort Smith, numerous times, you can discuss this issue as much as you want. Just do it in front of me. Absolutely,
2: yeah, yeah I agree with you. All right, well, Joey, we'll let you go. Did you have any other questions for him, Jimmy?
3: No, I, I could. We could talk all day about it. I just, I would just like to say this: that that I cannot tell you how much I appreciate Joey. Uh, in his efforts, he's really leading the charge yeah, in the is. legislature right now and trying to get something done. And he's working count, countless hours on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I can't tell you I've got, how much. I've got got one,
6: one thing I do want to say, if y'all got a second,
2: we got we got a couple minutes.
6: All right. Well, I think I think there's two things that protect our rights in Arkansas more than any other, and I've devoted my entire career to them. One of them is the right to trial by jury. And, and the other is for you. Um, the Seventh Amendment, the right to trial by jury, is is critical as well for the people. Our founders recognized that in the Declaration of Independence. And we've got bills down in Little Rock that are taking away the rights of the people. Jimmy Cavan spoke on it yesterday, this collateral source rule. I mean, it's a it's a scary phenomenon that takes away your Seventh Amendment right, and it's every bit as important as as standing uh, for for you.
3: I know we don't have much time, but I I gotta tell you that was spooky. That it even got brought up was spooky. And uh, that was I'm going. To, I can't even believe this is being brought up. Isn't that right, Joy?
6: That's right. Can you tell a little bit about what that is, Jimmy?
3: Well, it it was a, it was a, a bill. Thankfully, it didn't get past committee, and that was basically going to take away your right, or, or not allow you to to get full if you go to court over an injury or something to to get full value of your actual bill medical bills. It, it was basically, and, and I called it the uh, the Insurance Company Protection Act. Because it was put in there to save insurance companies' monies and big businesses like JB Hunt and stuff like that, it's a long gone <laughs> deal. But basically, it was going to be an attempt to to basically say that hey, people who don't pay for health insurance can submit uh, the actual uh, the actual amount of bills that the medical bills that uh, were paid, and the people that do were going to be only be able to submit a portion. And it was, yeah, actually true, attack- yeah, it was actually attacking people for being responsible.
6: All right. Yeah,
3: and it yeah, got killed uh, in committee. Uh, it, it,
6: well, it has been so far. It may be yeah. up again. Hopefully not. But but one of the things that the Supreme Court has said, we've already decided that issue. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and, then and it got it brought an, up
3: was, was, was spooky, and it got brought up by Republicans. You know, that's what got me. Who? What can... What, you know, I told him, I said, you, you know, I never thought a conservative Republican would bring a bill like this. Well,
6: what Serve insurance company profits because it, vote for that <laughs> bill if you want to conserve insurance company huge profits and take it away from the people.
3: Yeah, that was a crazy All right. deal.
2: All right. We'll let you go, Joey. We'll be talking Thanks, to you as the, uh, the uh, session goes on. Thanks for joining us on the Dave Elswick Show just so you know because look it's your tax paying money that's paying for them in the positions that they are you should know what it is they're doing
3: yes sir and and i want to make something clear that that we probably don't say enough is when when we see some people trying to bring these bills forward and stuff i i want to make sure that people understand that the con the majority, the overwhelming majority of these conservative Republicans that we've got are doing a good job. They're bringing good bills. They're they're doing a great job, and in the majority of them support uh, uh, for you. So, you know, people like Senator Mark Johnson. I can't say enough about good about Senator Mark Johnson. you and man. Yeah, he's great. So so when we say that there are some Republicans that have brought that forward, that's a fact. But let's also talk about the fact. That we have great conservative Republicans who are bringing really good bills for this state and putting in really good laws.
2: Well, the the key to to remember is that somebody might bring forth a law, they think that it's a good law, and then they find out through discussion with other lawmakers that they've opened up a can of worms, and then they pull it down. I mean, yeah. that's just that's just yeah. the way it, it works. Hey, let me remind you about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. I meant to do this a moment ago. Eric Coleman is waiting for you to stop by. I know we've gotten past Valentine's Day. Mother's Day is just kind of around the corner. Keep that in mind. Maybe you want to get her a, a necklace or a, a bracelet that has your grandkids' birthstones in it or whatever. Well, Eric can help you with that. All you have to do is stop by, visit with him. Uh, 3000 Cavanaugh, Suite E. He is there from 10 to 6 every day, Monday through Saturday. And uh, if you saw the jewelry that I have on, when my necklace that I wear uh, about my faith uh, in uh, in Christendom and Judeo-Christendom, in fact, uh, you would go, wow, that's pretty doggone cool. Well, he can do the same thing for you. All you got to do is stop by and talk to him about it. He's got over 40 years of experience that's Hillcrest designer jewelry, three thousand Cavanaugh open Monday through Saturday, ten until six. We're going to get here to the bottom of the hour um, and um, with you, and then we'll be back with more of uh, the Dave Ellswick show. Don't forget at ten thirty five uh Chuck Gerard's going to join us from California. We're going to talk to him. He is the Godfather of Christian contemporary music. Um, he has started a group called Love Song. And uh, we're going to be showing the movie, uh, Jesus Revolution, Thursday night at 7 o'clock. That has to do with the Jesus movement that occurred in the late 60s, early 70s. And uh, it was one of the biggest spiritual awakenings of America. And uh, we'll get uh, what he saw. We'll get it eyewitness account of what he saw because he was at ground zero. That's all coming your way, but first let's get to the bottom of the hour, take care of business, and then I'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we're back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've still got a little over an hour to go here today. Don't forget 1030. Chuck Gerard going to be on with us. Uh, The Environmental Protection Agency announced a sweeping enforcement action against Norfolk Southern Uh, yesterday compelling the rail company to conduct and pay for cleanup actions associated with the February 3rd derailment of a train carrying toxic chemicals in East Palestine, uh, Ohio. If the company fails to complete any of the actions ordered by the EPA, the agency will immediately conduct the necessary work and then seek to compel Norfolk Southern to pay triple the cost. The order will require the company to identify and clean contaminated soil and water, pay any EPA costs, including reimbursing the agency for cleaning services uh, that it will offer to residents and businesses and participate in public meetings at EPA's request and post information online. That according to NBC News. Associated Press saying the EPA had ordered Norfolk Southern to pay to clean up contaminated water and air from the train derailment in Ohio. You know, I'm not against some of the things that they're saying right there. I am a little a bit against saying that it's got to be triple what the what the cost. Well, is. And,
3: and who does that benefit? Does it when you say that? Or what? what that's are the not people, for the people. That's, that's what you saying. Yeah. You know, how does that help the? How does that help the the family living in that community? It does it in. I mean, do I believe? Do I believe Southern
2: should clean up the mess? Sure, absolutely, sure, absolutely. Do I believe they're going to have to somebody look over their shoulder? Absolutely, absolutely yeah. I think that's got to happen
3: as well. But uh, you know, talk about tri- triple. Okay, who is that? Where's that money going? Yeah, and why? Yeah, it's not going to the people of Palestine. It's, yeah,
2: they're not redirecting it to say, well, here we're going to help rebuild your town or Matter whatever.
3: Matter of fact, if you, when you when you listen to people in that community, it's like it's like uh, it's like the Biden administration, Joe Biden. I mean, it's just like they're oblivious to what's going on there.
2: Yeah, I don't even know his FEMA showing up now.
3: No, I they're still not there, right? As of this morning, and you are going. I mean, those people are going. Hey, we need those people need help. Those people need help. That community's devastated.
2: And guess what? I understand why they uh, wonder why is the president over in Ukraine and Poland saying the things that he's saying for the Polish people. Why are they saying they're going to pay the pensions? Yes, (laughs) of (laughs) some (laughs) of the people. That are working over there in Ukraine. I, I got to question that. I, I mean, why? I mean, yeah, exactly. Do you need? Do we need money over there to help people to, so that they can have food, and they can have shelter? Yes, I'm. I'm all about that. Pensions? But I'm. I'm not up to paying pensions. No. Uh, that I'm not up to. I don't.
3: No. And, uh, when's
2: the last time ever anybody stepped up and started paying the pensions of Americans?
3: Well, it. You know, when you get that point, you're going to look. Right now, we have a community that's that's devastated that they're not paying attention to. But he goes over there and starts talking about paying pensions for Ukrainians, but it won't even address this issue. Issue. I can tell you this, and and uh, I can tell you this. If if this was if this was the Trump administration going through this, I can promise you those people in Palestine would be priority number one. Now some people say, Oh, there you go with Trump gender." No, I'm just telling you the reality. I'm just telling you the reality. And those people those people are and we don't even know the long term effects of what have gonna happen. You know, David, something interesting, um a guy who's a Facebook friend of mine, he messaged me and, and he picked the town of Cabot, for example, where the railways comes directly through the center of town. Yep. And he said, uh <clears> hit <throat> King Ken K the mayor down there and and Ken responded back to him, which uh which is good. But he said, hey, do railways notify you of the chemicals coming through your town and the potential hazards with them and everything? And Ken Hiddenback said, no, they do not.
2: Nope.
3: And uh, I think, and the Jimmy Dolans is uh, the guy on Facebook who uh, who brought the question up. I give Jimmy a lot of credit. That's a great question. And yeah, they had,
2: well, they didn't know that this train was clearing, what was it yeah. uh, triglycer- some I forget the, the exact chemical that they were burning in ditches yeah and it, putting all kinds of pollution in the air what was that what is possibility what it that was can so do bad that they
3: had to, they said hey we got to burn it right here right now and yeah. we know it's going in the atmosphere but what's what's worse is not burning
2: yeah right so and, we're, uh, we're going
3: to do it and guys when i mentioned ken KK, that wasn't to get on him that was no. that's just say the ken was actually being transparent and say no we don't and that's not on him that's on, the, that's on the railway companies and stuff like that. Communities should know the, the, the people that have to respond to a disaster very quickly should know what's coming through their communities so they know how to respond to it.
2: All right. So we all know about inflation.
3: Do and we, I, yes, and, we do. And we, A
2: lot of us know that inflation has been caused by the uh, drunken <laughs> spending of our own federal mm-hmm. government. Let me read this story to you. Home Depot announced that the company is giving its frontline workers a raise, saying it is dedicating $1 billion to boost compensation for hourly employees. The minimum starting pay at the home improvement giant is now $15 an hour. In a message to all U.S. employees, Home Depot CEO Ted Decker said the higher wage went into effect on February 6th and that some workers have already seen that uh, their raises reflected in their February 17th paychecks. All other hourly workers can expect a larger paycheck starting February 24th, okay? So good for Home Depot. But here, this my father taught me when I was real young about this. If you push to make more money, and you make more money in your paycheck... Expect that everything that you're going to go out and buy to rise in price. Yeah. It will eat up the, the uh, extra money. Uh, I know everybody says, well, you know, a person who's working part-time at McDonald's should make enough t- money so that they can support their family. No, that's not what those jobs were for. Those jobs are more for supplemental reasons than they are for reasons of, you should work here and and make a live a livable wage. That's not gonna that's not gonna happen. And you know we're already seeing the uh, the robots coming, and they're making the hamburgers now. And all you need is instead of four
3: people on the back line, you got one. Well, let's think about this, uh, you know, because be careful what you ask for, because you just might get it right. And remember when everybody was on Walmart to pay higher wages, pay higher wages. And so what they did is they went in and they started paying higher wages. But then they put technology to work. And so used to, when you had all these people checking you out at Walmart, now you go into a Walmart store. You check yourself out. That's it. And you've got one or two people, lanes, where you can actually have somebody. So what happened was... So they said, "Sure, we'll pay our workers more, but now we're going to get rid of. We pay those more, so now we've got automation. So, so now we're going to get rid of these other workers. So, how many people lost their jobs? A
2: lot of people. That. That's what I was just saying about um, yeah. McDonald's.
3: Yeah.
2: So to 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 uh, raise the rate of pay, what did they do? Well, we can afford one person at yeah. that amount, so we'll get rid of the other three. That's it.
3: And that's it. And. You know, technology and growth uh, is a, is a good thing, but it also can be a very bad thing in the sense that it that it's job killers. Yeah. And so we need to stop and think about that. You know, we've got the trucks now that come pick up the garbage, right? Pick yep. up the can, boom. Okay, so you got one driver okay well what we did is when we did that is we negated how many because the trash trucks used to come by you'd have a driver and two, at least two or three guys on there
2: yeah to empty empty trash now you have trash cans where the little arms that they got yeah. on the trash truck can go under them and jump and dump your yeah. trash out
3: and so we lost jobs <laughs> yeah we lost jobs from that and nobody thinks about uh about those people on that end but you're exactly right on your point of where this is going. And it's like I say, it's be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. I know one thing, until they come up with automated police officers, we've got to have police officers out there. And what we really need to start talking about before we start talking about uh, part-time workers making a living wage let's talk about police officers. In these small communities, um, England, Arkansas, the pay for a patrol officer is $15.15 an hour stuttgart is a larger town than england and you go down the road and they actually pay less than that uh let's take a look and see what these uh uh, emts that mems make you know less than 15 dollars an hour and we're never going to be able to automate our way out of stopping somebody from uh bleeding out on the side of the road or things like that or, or responding to somebody breaking into your house. So if we really want to talk about paying somebody some a living wage to do those jobs, let's start with let's start with first responders. All right. I'm gonna take a break. We're gonna come back
2: and I wanna tell you what happened to Mexico's former top law enforcement official yesterday in New York City. He was tried yesterday. Mm-hmm. He's going to prison for a long time. Mm-hmm. We'll tell you all about that and why. Perhaps we're having so much problems on the, uh, the southern border with drugs. That's all coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, this is a big story. This happened uh, yesterday. Gennaro uh, Garcia Luna, he was Mexico's former top law enforcement official in charge of waging war against the country's notorious narco-terrorist organizations, was convicted in U.S. federal court of working with the very organizations that he was supposed to be fighting. Luna, who, as Secretary of Public Security, had direct control over Mexico's federal police force, was convicted in a federal courtroom in Brooklyn on all counts of a superseding indictment that charged him with engaging in a continuing continuing criminal enterprise That includes six drug-related violations, international cocaine distribution conspiracy, conspiracy to distribute and possess with intent to distribute cocaine, conspiracy to import cocaine, and making false statements according to the U.S. Department of Justice. That was in a, a statement that they made. He faces up to life in prison. Prosecutors proved at trial that Garcia Luna, listen to this, this is incredible, used his official position to assist the country's most prolific and notorious drug cartel, the Sinaloa cartel. Uh, Luna sold out his country for millions of dollars in cash payments from the cartel. His entire uh, and uh, all of his actions assisting the cartel included facilitating safe passage for the cartel's drug shipments, providing sensitive law enforcement information about investigations into the cartel, and helping the cartel attack rival drug cartels, thereby facilitating the importation of multi-ton, multi-ton quantities of cocaine and other drugs into the United States, the DOJ said.
3: Yeah. And, uh,
2: Literally, his job was being the head of the of our equivalent of the FBI.
3: Yeah, and and you know what's really bad about this? This is not shocking.
2: Well, no, it's not. <laughs> you know? We know how how terrible they are south of the border yeah. as far as corruption goes. Yeah. So yeah. how do you deal with these people? Well, I. Or do you?
3: You know i i think it all goes down to is if you cut off the avenues of bringing things in that that goes a long way in in battling this stuff but you've got to do that first until we cut off the until we secure the border and not allow their product to come in then this is what we're going to face on a daily basis, and you know what's so bad about this? This guy's going to go to prison for hopefully for life. I hope he does. Yeah, okay. forever. But there's going to be somebody right behind him that's ready to
2: ready to take over and make that money. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I, and, uh, I don't. I don't disagree with you.
3: The we. I don't know how it can get any simpler. You want to attack this problem, you have to attack it at the border
2: and i want to know how corrupt are our people
3: oh you know there's some you know that, 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 that that's involved in it there's just no way around it and but that's been since the beginning of time the corruption but so the deal is you is not to just to catch corrupt people but how do you how do you stop it how do you stop it in the 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 deal is the product that they want to send and because it is, let's call it what it is, it's product, right? Yeah. That's people, the way they look at it. People in the United States want it. Yeah. And so until you cut off the lines of distributing that product and in the avenues to distribute it, then it's not gonna do any good.
2: I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And that is a really a serious, serious mess. Well, south of the
3: border and China's involved in it as well. The fentanyl end. The fentanyl in with China is just is just huge, and it tracks from China there. And then the cartels bring it through, and we've talked about it before. But if you talk to, I've, if you think the cartels don't reach, let's say BB Arkansas or uh, Udore, Arkansas or, or communities like that, you're wrong.
2: Yeah, if you happen to make friends with an undercover
3: agent, they'll tell you. Yeah. They'll tell you how bad it is. Yeah. It's bad. The, these battles are going on in small rural communities. The cartels are operating through their trafficking through their bringing their products through there, and uh, they do it through organized uh, gangs and crimes in these states. and And so, if you think it's it's not happening, it, it is, and it and it all goes back to that. I it all goes back to the border. It all goes back to it.
2: You know what it all goes back to? Massive amounts of money.
3: Yeah. That's
2: what it really goes back to. I mean, it said in the story, I didn't read it. I'm not going to read the entire story to you. But they said there were times that there was something that the cartels wanted to do. And they were paying this guy $14 million for him to facilitate it.
3: Well, and let's go back to the deal on the cartels. The cartels—they say cartels love drugs and they love cocaine. They love, no, they, they love, love money. Human,
2: they, yeah, they <laughs> love human trafficking yeah. even more.
3: So. That's what I'm saying. The cartels are into money. They're they're like they're like the old mafia on steroids. They don't care what the if it's human trafficking, if it's fentanyl, they don't care what the product is. Or what they can what they can move to make money off of it, they're going to move it. Yep. And the human trafficking, which is a big deal, and I think there's a uh, that's something that the governor is going to start uh, focusing on here in the state, and some yep. other things coming up. The human trafficking is is a huge deal.
2: Yeah, it's big, big, big. First thing they got to do is is teach local law enforcement's to dif- to differentiate between a local hooker. And a, a young woman who's caught in human trafficking yeah. and is being made, you know, to, to turn tricks.
3: Yeah, and the judicial system as well. And, yep. and I think, matter of fact, I, I think the Pulaski County Republicans uh, in are coming up here. They're going to have a deal over at Pleasant Valley where groups coming in that is. Uh, that are experts in this on human trafficking from an immigration oh, standpoint. Yeah,
2: uh, the folks from FAIR are coming yeah,
3: that's, that's in. Yeah, in, uh, and I think that's going to go into this, what we're talking about. Is that correct?
2: Yes, okay. that, that's part of it. That is definitely part of it. I mean, you've you got to understand what are the costs of illegal immigration, and uh, they'll break it down and tell you how much the state of Arkansas is paying. How much we, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. as a, as people who are... Uh, taxpayers in Arkansas, how much it's costing you for because of the illegal immigration that's going on in our it's in our a state. Lot of money that well, you got to yeah. go through it all: education that you mm-hmm. give to the kids, food, medical, uh, medical, yeah. putting them away in jail at yeah. times. It goes on and on. There, there are all kinds of facets to this, yeah. and uh, I've worked for with Fair for years. I go to hold their feet to the fire every year there in Washington, D.C., and talk about this this particular problem. And I can tell you what, I've been going for over over uh, 15 years, and uh, in all honesty, it's never gotten better.
3: No, this problem, it, it hasn't gotten better. It's only exasperated, right? Yeah,
2: and it exasperates us here on this side of the border as we watch now what they're doing, uh, watching these people just pour into our country.
3: Very dangerous.
2: All right. We've got an hour left here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're going to come back. There's other stories that we'll uh, talk about. At 1035, Chuck Gerard, the uh, godfather of Christian contemporary music, will be with us. We'll talk to him about the Jesus movement of the late 60s, early 70s. He was there at Ground Zero. He'll share his stories and his personal eyewitness account, and uh, we'll talk to him about that. And we'll give away another four pack of tickets to go see Jesus Revolution here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's move into the final hour of a Wednesday show. Jimmy Cavan is here in the studio with me. I think that's the first time I mentioned that you were even here. I thought they, I guess they I thought they that, know. that I was well, they, they might have thinking that I'm changing my voice and <laughs> using some kind of uh of discharacter uh, here on the show. No, Jimmy is a real person. And uh, works hard uh, on a lot of different issues. And like yesterday, he was over at the uh, state capitol uh, testifying uh, against a piece of legislation. I mean, he's, he's, he's you know, clicked in and, and working on it, folks. Just I try. Just you know. I try. Oh, well, you do. All right. Here's kind of a scary so- story. It was, it was uh, brought out yesterday uh, on television. Uh, last night, President Biden signed an executive order uh, today that critics warn will or take that back last Thursday. I Take that back. That critics warn will allow for creation of woke artificial intelligence that, quote, promotes racial division and discrimination, unquote. The order directs all federal agencies to establish a yearly equity action plan. Now, that's not, you know, equal action plan. It's equity action plan aimed at helping underserved communities. In one section under, quote, embedding equity into government-wide processes, I don't even like the title of that, uh, the director of the Office of Management and Budget is instructed to, quote, Support equitable decision-making, promote equitable deployment of financial and technical assistance, and assist agencies in advancing equity as appropriate and whenever possible, The section gives further instructions regarding artificial intelligence. Uh, And again, quoting from this uh, article, When designing, developing, acquiring, and using artificial intelligence... And automated systems in the federal government. Agencies shall do so consistent with applicable law in a manner that advances equity. Unquote. All right. That's uh, spooky, isn't it? I go, well, yeah, it's spooky. Political influencers and tech experts on Twitter all condemn such an initiative as a moral hazard. That's what they had to say. Christopher Ruffo, the journalist who helped draw public attention to critical race theory warned, quote, Biden's new executive order creating a national DEI bureaucracy has a special mandate for woke artificial intelligence. The order instructs the federal government to protect the public from algorithmic discrimination and to deploy AI systems in a manner that advances Equity. Manhattan Institute fellow Colin Wright claimed that such a technology could be fatal for our society. Said the writer, Biden is not a moderate. This is a legal sprint to inject as much radical ideology as broadly and as deeply as possible in our government. This cannot be allowed if Republicans take office. They must fully root out all of this ideological and social cancer. The worst possible scenario imaginable for our future, our children and their children will be suffering the consequences of this mandate. According to software developer John Schlinkert, uh, AI is about to change the world in unprecedented ways. The last thing we need is on an AI that promotes racial division and discrimination unquote
3: yeah this is crazy this is this is crazy and this is a very dangerous executive order and you know i'm glad we're getting some reporting on it but artificial intelligence and i'm trying to get up to speed on it because it's 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 like sci-fi movies are coming true well here's it.
2: one commentators a guy by the name of Trent England said, in a tweet, "A comparison to the uprising of killer robots in the Terminator movie series. Yeah. Biden administration working on T1000 woke edition."
3: Yeah. You know, well, let me read the definition of artificial intelligence in because I I looked up because, uh, you know. I'm not an expert in know everything, but when I read this article and we were talking about it earlier, I said, wow, this is kind of spooky. So, the theory, and There's a key section in this, the theory of development of computer systems able to perform tasks that normally require human intelligence. Uh, we were talking about that on the last segment a little bit as, as far as automation. It, c- it goes on to say, such as visual perception, speech recognition, here's the key. Decision making. There you go. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> You've you heard
2: the you old, know, there's an old, old statement about computers garbage in, garbage yeah, out. Yeah. All right? Though these are artificial intelligence machines, in other words, they should be uh, able to think on their own, it all starts with the foundational algorithms mm-hmm. that they're built on. So if, let's just say it this way, uh, let's say they decided as far as uh, the, the 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 foundational thought processes for this, they would use, and I'm not saying they're doing this or, or going to do this, I'm just making a point, uh, they develop an algorithm for fascism. Oh, yeah. And they build yeah. it off of fascism. Well, as this Machine learns; it learns, but its basic concept is fascism. Yes,
3: yes. And in when you when you infiltrate that into all the computer systems and, and all the the internet and social media and everything, you see where this is going, and it's pretty scary. This is this is very scary, and people should pay attention to it. And it's going to be used to to attack conservatism. That's what they're saying. They're saying, hey, we're going to use this as a weapon to attack Dave Ellswick, attack Jimmy Kevin, uh, so to speak, attack uh conservative people that are putting their messages out, cons- attack uh, conservative websites or anything that they want to push their woke their woke agenda with that.
2: And they use a they use a term that you or I, we don't have a clue what they mean by it. Algorithmic discrimination. Yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, explain yeah. this to us. Yeah, uh, they did a study on this. All right, some of this already showing that they had AI, uh, this this new AI that got out, and people can kind of screw around with it, and it had them to tell them which social media sites were uh, giving the most. Mis or disinformation. And it said conservative media science. Yeah. And why? Because what was built into the foundation was built by liberals who said, here's how you should think when you consider something. And it didn't even have any way of drawing on a a political spectrum uh, for conservatives.
3: Yeah. And – this is dangerous. What liberals don't understand: this is dangerous to them. This is dangerous for them also. That's just what we
2: were talking about. Joey. Yeah.
3: Power changes. Power changes. And so, think about if a if a if a Republican or somebody got in office and did this executive order. I would be just as scared if that was if executive order came from a a Republican president that was using it as, as a tool against the left, and. That's what that this is dangerous in in the the so called woke people should really be nervous about this because you know, what goes around comes around.
2: You better believe it. I mean, if I had talked to a Democrat in two thousand about the Republicans having a hundred to thirty five uh, uh supermajority in, in the House and uh the huge majority they have over in the Senate, they would have told me I was nuts.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just
2: telling you, we thought because that's the way it was for the Democrats. That's right. Now it's that way for the Republicans. And because we got to remember what uh, Reagan said, it only takes one generation. That's, it only takes one generation to change right. all of it. Just think about that what we have now could be just the opposite in five Ten years.
3: And when we came in, we were talking about the, the sci-fi movies come true. And your your thought on Terminator, that's the very movie I thought about when I read this. I the think Terminator, about this right? all
2: the time when we talk okay. about AI. Yeah. If AI is developed and it, it's supposed to go to a certain point and then at that point it becomes where it thinks for itself yeah. and it betters itself, what makes you think that it won't say I need to get rid of humans. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's going to be better than you. Thinks better than and, you. Uh, Thinks faster than you. Makes more logical decisions than you. Why do you think you will be even necessary?
3: Well, and you know, with the automation in, in where everything is going, in the in the in militaries are working on it. The robot wars, right, yeah,
2: we're, we're talk- talking
3: about killing robots
2: now yeah. with real reality
3: and uh and so you 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 do that and you go, okay, you know think about that being reversed and turned on your own people and things like that, so this is going I've said it for a long time that technology is such a wonderful thing, but what we're turning in is to. Is to people that uh, is in our, especially in our country, more than I think others, is that we're trying to let computers think for us. St- I don't want a computer to think for me. No, I'll, I'll use I'll use the internet to gather information. I want it to help me.
2: Right. All right. And as you're saying, help gather information, yeah. things of that nature.
3: But now we're to the point that the computers, the internet, and people are to a point that they're thinking for us. In making decisions for us, that's a a bad path, man. Yeah,
2: that's a completely different path. That's exactly right. All right, we got to take a break. Let me bring you up to date on SEC basketball last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big. Texas A&M knocks off Tennessee. Texas A&M 25, uh, you know, ranked 25th. Tennessee 11th. They've been in a free fall here for the last few weeks. They lost by five at A&M 68-63. Uh, Missouri beat uh, Mississippi last night, six six 64 in overtime. And then our wonderful Hogs were at home; they crushed, jo- and I mean, crushed Georgia by thirty two last night, ninety seven there, sixty five.
3: There's a something on that game, though, right? That that may have that I say when the season started going down for the Hogs, and maybe there's that same thing as the reason the Hogs won
7: so big last night.
2: Could. Could have been – let me ask Aaron. Aaron's my sports guy. I go to, to Aaron. Aaron, uh, how important was Smith in last night's game?
7: He was big. I think he had a new career high. Um, I think – I can't remember the point spread on my uh, top of my head, but he had – I think he led the team in scoring last night. And, I mean, all around, they just played a great game. Yeah. And, it's again, it's just one of those things, like how consistent now going forward can you be? Can you, is is this how we're going to play? Like when we play inferior opponents, because the, the win was great last night. But if we look at Georgia, Georgia is they stink almost last in the East right now. Yeah, they, but they stink. Have some, yeah. They have some nice wins, but again, it's Georgia, not great in the SEC East. But again, that's a game you want to take to uh, Georgia like that and score a lot of points. And you know, they right, Aaron, it, didn't give them a chance. All right, Aaron, give me this. Okay, Nick Smith
3: gets hurt. You know, team goes on skid, Nick Smith comes back. You tell me, Aaron, you're pretty sharp on this stuff. How how important, did, did we just prove how important Nick Smith Jr., the freshman, is to this team?
7: Yeah, I, re- I think so, man. And for all of the people out there that thought that he wasn't coming back, you know, thought he didn't have any loyalty to the team, pretty much put those rumors to rest last night. Yeah. Because had he not wanted to come back, he wouldn't have done that. We've seen players do that in college basketball before. You know, the kid from Missouri a couple of years ago, he got injured, decided not to come back to Missouri. And Nick Smith, a lot of people thought that was the same case here at Arkansas. Obviously not the case anymore. Yep.
2: That's good. I'm glad for it. We'll find out how they play against good teams on Saturday because we're at home against number one, Alabama.
7: Yeah, there's a hope. Well. I don't know if you've really been following what's going down with Alabama basketball right now. Of course, they had a player uh, that is in prison now due to a uh, murder case that's going on, and then was just found out yesterday that the best player in the draft this year and the best player possibly in college basketball supplied him that weapon. Yeah, so, got him the gun. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going down right now.
2: What is that for
7: Alabama? The that's team? for Alabama. Yeah. Wow. And Nate Oates. You, you would I, think I, we, we'd be talking about LSU, but we're talking about Alabama. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, Nate Oates, he had a very really controversial quote come out yesterday that I don't have off my top of my head and don't have in front of me at the moment, but he took a lot of flack for it, which rightfully so.
2: All right, let's get a break in. East End Towing wants you to know something happens to you like happened this morning out there on sixty-seven one sixty-seven. You can depend on the folks at East End Towing to get you off the side of the highway. Uh, and get your car where you want it to go, not where the state police or some other police uh, uh, agency has told you where they're going to take it, whether it's your car, whether it's a uh, a a, tra- a trailer, whether it's a a camper, or it's a camper you're driving. Uh, they got the they've got the uh, the type of equipment that can handle all those situations for you. All you have to do is call them. That's East End Towing, 501-888-8849. 501-888-8849.
0: fm the answer.
2: All right, we continue. We were just talking about AI. Interesting story today on The Daily Wire. An award-winning sci-fi fantasy magazine closed its submissions amidst avalanche of AI-generated spam. A uh, leading sci-fi magazine, fiction magazine, is closing submissions because of an avalanche of artificial intelligence-generated uh, stories. Neil Clark, the publisher and editor-in-chief of the award-winning Clark, uh, Clark World magazine, uh, said in a Twitter thread yesterday that he would temporarily close the magazine to new submissions because of the sheer amount of poor quality content written by AI chatbots and other software. Clark lamented that there are no easy solutions to what could become a very much growing problem. Quote, submissions are currently closed. It shouldn't be hard to guess why, Clark said. So here you have science fiction. Now is science fact Fact, yeah and And I think it's great that the guy's last name is Clark like Arthur C. Clark you know Clark uh, gave more details on the situation Uh, we aren't closing the magazine he wrote closing submissions means that we aren't considering stories from authors at this time we will reopen but have not set a date we don't have a solution for the problem we have some ideas for minimizing it but the problem isn't going away. Detectors are unreliable. Pay-to-submit sacrifices too many legit authors. Print submissions are not viable for us. Various third-party tools for identity confirmation are more expensive than magazines can afford and tend to have regional holes. Adopting them would be the same as banning entire countries. We could easily implement a system that only allowed authors that had previously submitted work to us that would effectively ban new authors, which is not acceptable. They are an essential part of this ecosystem and our future. Yeah. Think about that.
3: Yeah. They're between a rock and a
2: hard place mm-hmm. now.
3: You know, well, growing up growing up on a farm, you know, weed control and everything, and so, of course, we use chemical sprays and stuff. But several of chemicals we used, and I can and this is a, what I compared to several chemicals we used how they killed the weed was to make the it, it to make the greed the weed grow so fast that it killed itself because it was growing so fast.
2: it was using up all of its
3: yeah. energy so and to so say. i'm only I've been comparing our road on technology same thing if we're not careful, we're gonna grow so fast. <laughs> we're going to kill ourselves.
2: Yeah, I. That's that's what. Uh, who was the uh, the astrophysicist that was confined to a wheelchair?
3: Oh God, what was his name? That. Oh, but he. Any other time I tell he you. He said name.
2: that they should stop yeah. developing it. Yeah. He said that's not good to do. No. All right, we're down to one minute here, and uh, then we'll come back after the break. And Chuck Gerard's going to join us. Yeah. The Godfather. The Godfather of Contemporary Christian Music. Plus, I'll give away my final four-pack for Thursday night to go see the uh, Jesus Revolution. Those tickets have, I, I heard that they're worth a million dollars now. That's, no, I'm just kidding. And it's the, the pretty people, cool stuff. People want it, all yeah, right? People <laughs> want them. And it's going to be a great movie. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to Chuck about what what really went down. He doesn't want to talk about the movie, and I don't blame him. He wants to talk about what happened. He was there at Ground Zero. So that's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
1: Take your troubled soul, your tired mind, and lay your burden down. Lay your burden down. Get your feet on solid ground. Take your worries to the foot of the cross and lay
2: your burden down. All right, if you didn't know, it's Chuck Garrard. All right. I call him the godfather Christian contemporary music. All right? He's one of the first people that... You know, uh, did exactly what we were told to do. Why does the devil have all the good music? Why, you know, don't you start writing music that, that talks to your own generation? And he did, and uh, did great work on it. Chuck, thanks for joining us today on the Dave
1: Ellswick Show. Great to be with you, Dave. Thanks for asking.
2: Yeah, when did that When did that song get written? And can you give us a little bit of background on it?
1: Yeah, uh, the album came out in 75. You were off by a year, but pretty close. And... um yeah, I was just a young hippie, first year to, uh, first year that I had, <clears throat> had been at Calvary Chapel. <clears throat> and I was actually going through a hymnal, and I saw that phrase in a hymnal, lay your burden at the foot of the cross. And I thought, you know, my generation needs that message. Um, I think I'll see what I can do, you know, write some kind of a song that has that message in it. And so that's as simple as it was. I was wasn't, some, some of my songs have long and great backstories. That one was just something, I thought, a uh, message that uh, I wanted to sort of contemporize for my generation and uh important message in the gospel.
2: Well, I, w- I was lucky enough uh, later on to mit- meet uh, Chuck Smith, a great man, a uh, very astute man, and a man I think was spirit-led. And uh, so did you, did you have a lot of dealings with Chuck? He's a man who literally because he opened his doors to his church, started the Jesus movement.
1: Well, Chuck Smith was my spiritual father, and we literally, I mean, he was in our lives the first year, especially when we were just, when Love Song, the band, when we were just starting out as Christians, we lived in this uh, lady's home that had, she was an empty nester, she and her husband, and they took us in, and Chuck would call on us, uh, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon. Say, boys, I'm coming by at six. We have a meeting at seven. Grab your guitars and come with me, and we go out to Riverside or something and do a meeting with Chuck. We did that all the time, and then uh, of course uh, they branched out from Calvary. Even though they had these amazing numbers at Calvary Chapel, um, Calvary Chapel grew from about 200 to 2,000 yeah. in about four months. Uh, at one stage of its growth, uh, when we wow. when we started playing there, wasn't because we played there, but They had hippie preacher Lonnie Frisbee. Mm -hmm. They had a band that looked like Pink Floyd. The hippies told their friends, and that place just just exploded. And so we met in a tent for a few years while they built the new sanctuary. And Chuck was a a solid guy. You know, um, the thing I said to him, to his face, so it's not talking behind somebody's back, I said, Chuck, you're the most open-minded, closed-minded man I've ever met. <laughs> I, I said this around, around 2010 when we went back out on the road with him uh, just before, a few years before he died. And what I meant was when it came to doctrine, he was extremely, uh, you know, uh, uh, focused and, and um, tunnel vision. It would, had to be the Bible doctrine, and he didn't like extracurricular thought, extracurricular, you know, very good... Uh, Father for all of us, as far as guiding us in the Word, but yet when it came to the cultural expression, uh, he was really open-minded to let our band, a bunch of hippies, you know, play electric guitars and drums on the platform. And um, there was one time we're living in this house, and uh, like I say, we'd get these calls from Chuck. Uh, you know, we were available 24 hours a day, so sometimes there they were every day for a while. We you know we'd go out with him and do a meeting somewhere. So he calls the house, and our drummer answers the phone, and we just hear, yeah, what time, you know, yeah, sure. So he hangs up the phone, and we said, well, what time does Chuck want us there? and He said, he doesn't want us. He just wants me. He wants me to bring my drums and do a drum solo in church. And I thought, wow, that's (laughs) kind of weird. you know Even I thought that was a little weird. But John did his drum solo that night, and, uh, man, I'll tell you, it was really powerful spiritually. And uh, he gave his testimony afterward, and then we incorporated that into our concerts we would always, I'd read Psalms 150 and do a little joke about it, you know, I'd I'd say uh, praise him on the high cymbals, praise him on the the lute, praise him on the Fender guitar, and I'd look at the Bible (laughs) and I'd go, oh, Revised Musician's Edition, you know. (laughs) So we'd make a little joke out of it, and then uh, he'd do a a solo and come out and do his testimony and became a part of our, um, our presentation after that. So Chuck was uh, a very cool guy, and very open to the culture and he wanted to he wanted to do what god wanted and I can honestly say that that uh, whole movement, that whole thing that happened there was something that was totally of god and I want to make just one little adjustment on your comment okay. Uh, the actually the media attention started at Calvary. Uh, the whole movement was sort of bubbling under before that. There were things happening up in San Francisco. There were some Christian houses that had that had never been a thing hippie Christian houses—up uh, in the Bay Area. There was stuff happening back east with uh, you know Freeport, New York, with Scott Ross and Phil Cagney. So there were uh, kind of undercurrents, but what happened at Calvary was the media got a hold of it. It was a great photo op. It was a, you know we had this kind of an unchurch-looking church. Uh, we had hippies, straight people. We had hippie preachers, straight preachers. Straight meaning not not in the area of sexual orientation, but but you know not hit, not right. drug ex drug users and so they they swarmed down there we had look magazine life magazine abc nbc everybody coming to cover the story of what was happening with the hippies so that's what the real role of calvary was at that time and then of course the baptisms uh, at the ocean uh, kind of expanded the whole awareness of what was going on it was all very unusual very counterculture and very newsworthy
2: yeah well you guys were the counterculture of the counterculture
1: yeah, well, kind of yeah. <laughs> it's
2: just, I was part of that. I was nineteen in nineteen seventy, and, yeah. and, and and I got I got I got into that. In fact, uh, Thursday night when we show the movie, I'll be wearing a a hoodie that I had made up that says Jesus freak on the front of it. Uh, that was a a common term back in the day.
1: Yes, it was. Uh, the The first time I saw that was. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine came down, actually interviewed us at Calvary Chapel, and Annie Leibovitz, some people that are into music, know yeah, of the most famous music photographers in the world. She photographed us, and uh, then when they put the article out, they picked this picture of a guy who looked a little bit crazy, and they said Jesus freaks, and uh, that's the first time I saw that. But it became a, a you know it's a, a positive thing uh, to be a Jesus freak, yep. and you were proud to wear the banner, but yeah, it was but it was uh, it was the beginning of the whole thing and, and everybody was coining their own terms and finally, you know, it became, it was Jesus music because it was music about Jesus and then it became Jesus rock and eventually they landed on contemporary Christian music, so that's what... I, ga- I gotta ask did. you
2: about one guy. I gotta ask yeah. you about Larry Norman. Did you ever meet him? Did you ever talk to him? Was he as crazy in person as he was on the stage?
1: Well, uh, Larry was In the very beginning, there was only three or four people, three or four artists, really. There probably could have been more, but the ones that I knew about were, you know, there was us and and Andre Crouch. Larry Norman preceded us. When I became a Christian, his album was already out, Upon This Rock. And I found, first of all, I'm a big Larry Norman fan. I think his music was some of the best of the era. Uh, He wasn't speaking to the... Christians, though, particularly, he was speaking more to the unsaved. He was very evangelistic in his lyrics, and uh, he was an odd guy. There's no question about that. <laughs> I didn't actually gravitate to him on a, a friendship basis, you know, but we would play at same events. We played in, uh, in when we, we did a big event called Expo 72 in yep. Dallas in 1972, and we played a, a concert in Lee Park. It was a very cool day. It was Larry and Love Song out in the park with about a thousand hippies. And uh, I just thought he was a great artist, and I think he was a sincere minister that really, uh, he was more interested in getting the message across than, you know, than being some kind of a rock star. Although there there were those elements, and there's some of the stuff that came up later.
2: Yeah, well, I agree.
1: Yeah, but he's a good, good guy.
2: I'll tell you what I liked about him. I read the story about him because he, he evidently led to to Christ. One of my all-time favorite artists, and that's Keith Green.
1: Well, I'm not sure that's completely true. uh, Keith Green uh, came to the Lord. I was. uh, Where did you? uh, I I hate to contradict you on air, but where did you hear that?
2: I read it. Hey, I read it on the internet. Nothing's wrong on the internet. <laughs>
1: oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, another, another. Well, correct me. Go question. ahead.
2: Correct me. How did How well, did How did Keith uh, come to the Lord?
1: I'm not quite sure who prayed the prayer of salvation with him, but uh, he was very present here. Here, there was a Bible study in my home. I moved up the Valley from Orange County, which was about an hour north. And a friend of mine, Ken Gullickson, a friend of, actually a friend of my wife's from college, I knew him too, uh, wanted to start a church up there. So he didn't know anybody up there. He said, can I have a Bible study in your home? So uh, we hosted a Bible study that became two or three Bible studies that finally became a church that finally became what is today known as the vineyard.
2: Mm-hmm. I know and what the vineyard Keith, is all about.
1: Keith was very prominent in the vineyard in the early days. Um, I, I won't uh, say that I'm totally sure but i think there's another angle to that story of how he actually came to the lord but he was very uh the, the 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 first vineyard was his church and so we got to know him very well as well so um yeah but it was all kind of intermingled anyhow in those days so I, i'm not quite sure what the true story is about his actual salvation but uh he was a, a vineyard boy in the early days that's cool Jimmy is here. Jimmy, you had a question. Yeah,
3: I, because this is such a this is such a cool subject to talk about. and interesting. I'm I'm going back and wondering, you know, with change and new things that come out. And, and uh, back during that time, you know, how did you did the movement get pushed back? from some in the christian community in and, and i'm sure it got support too but can you talk about the the level of maybe oh pushback and then but also talk about the support from some of those people now back then right. so that this, this is
2: going to be a 20 minute answer i think for yeah. chuck go ahead chuck
1: no I'll, I'll carve that down um we were um i think God shielded us from some of the controversy about our band and we were really baby Christians. We were very, uh, malleable and we just, you know, we just worship God, but we worship Chuck on us, on, you know, people, I want to be careful because people get all, I don't mean literally, of course, I but know. we thought Chuck, Chuck was amazing. And, uh, but we did have a few little things. We went to, to do this, uh, summer camp and, um, there was a divide in the camp. Some of the people thought we were of the devil, and some of the people thought we were of God, and they had a big meeting about it, and finally they decided to let us play. Usually when that happened, uh, the anointing of God, the power of God would come through. I mean, we were ministers first. I have to make that clear. We didn't come there to be rockers or right. tell you that, that you know drums were cool. We were, if, if, we, if we saw we'd get further with acoustic guitars and congas, that's what we would play. So that was our our stance, and every time we did play to a to a uh, skeptical audience, the Lord broke through, and people were ministered to, and you know they'd have big hug parties at the end and say, "Oh, we misjudged you guys." But we had from Calvary, of course, the the thing that made Chuck so unique, Smith, was that he was willing to open his doors to the to the hippies, and he took some flack right. in the early days. You yep. know, there were. When they were small, it was like, oh yeah, the hippie church down the road. Ah, ha, ha, until they got to be, you know, thousands strong, and then they were coming into the office and, uh, Chuck, what's the program here? And Chuck would just look at him and say, hasta all the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, uh, but I found overall to kind of trim the answer down. Uh, we found a lot of support. There were people that were very. Um, I'll tell you what a turning point was, Expo '72, about a hundred thousand people. In the Cotton Bowl on a Friday night, and we played, and some other artists played. That maybe we might have been the only kind of counterculture group that night. There might have been one other, but we played, and right after we played, which was the first time that many people that had come from all over the world had seen. Hippies minister Billy Graham got up and spoke, and I believe that that was a turning point moment for Christian music because. I think people saw that they thought, well, if Billy will speak after he's play, maybe it's okay with God. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, because in those days, in those days opposite to today, today you're not cool if you don't have electric guitars and drums. That's and right. That's big mix. But in those days, that was heavy stuff to bring. A, a, we'd haul these drums in in the morning with our amps and our long hair, and man, we'd get the evil eye. Until we played, and then people would see that it was something real. So, yeah, that's kind of the short answer. But, yeah, we I, I think there was more support personally than, um, you know, skepticism and, and uh, blowback. So that was my experience.
2: Well, Chuck, we're out of time. I appreciate you giving me the time to talk about this because – you know, you're one of the first guys, and your group was one of the first groups that I listened to. I listened to Larry Norman, Randy Stonehill, Phil Keggy, and, and all of those people. And uh, thank you so much for dedicating your life to the to the Lord and, and and his and your music and and binding it together. We thank you for that.
1: Well, it's my pleasure, and it's been a great ride. And I encourage people to go see the movie because they do a very good job of. Uh, of replicating the era and uh it's a very inspiring movie and people should go see it
2: okay so was the leads is the lead singer uh of of uh your band in the movie does he look better than you do
1: they don't look anything like us. <laughs> he, he he gets up the guy the actor gets up he's actually a band member he gets up and he says we're a love song and we play music about guys he says dig it <laughs> <laughs> right. he, I, I don't know if i ever said dig it in my life but uh, he's supposed me i think but all it right was kinda, chuck. it was kind of fun okay guys
2: thank you so much have a great day
1: <laughs> pleasure all
2: Thanks right bye-bye bye now was chuck really Girard here yeah. on the davils which i i had to get him on yeah I that really was did. good i really did i, I consider him the, gra- the godfather of christian contemporary music uh that that we take for granted today. Yeah. And uh, that was a short answer he gave, but there was, a, there was a lot of blowback. For instance, in Southern Baptist Church and stuff. Oh, sure. Whoo. It was rough at times yeah. as far as that's concerned. All right, we'll take a break. I'm going to give away those tickets. Come back for the last segment here of the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back, last few minutes left here. Was sure that was a great interview. That was fun. He's a,
3: That's fun to go back. He, and, you know, you
2: never know what you're going to get. When I ever I have, you know, famous singers on or something like that. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get. Some are hesitant to talk, and uh, and some are very much into themselves. It doesn't sound like Chuck Carr just like that at all. Yeah, very very nice nice guy. And uh, he and I are pretty close to the same age. He's uh, a few years older than I am. Mm. He was uh, he was in college. Uh, when the Jesus Movement happened. But that was great talking to him. Yeah, that was a
3: good interview.
2: Now, all right, we're going to give away the last four tickets I have uh, for the movie tomorrow night. 6.30, the doors open, 7 o'clock, the movie will start. I'm going to talk a little bit before the movie and relate a few of my experiences with the Jesus Movement back in the, the, uh, the early 70s. Uh, I didn't get to go to Expo 72. I wanted to go. It you know, was put on by Bill Bright and Campus Crusade. I remember that. And he's right. Billy, Billy Graham preached. They, he, they, he was good enough to go. Over 100,000 people uh, were at the Cotton Bowl uh, to you know uh, sing praises to God and to, to hear the word, and it was great. They got to play, and uh, they were great. Yeah. fantastic but you listen to you listen to love songs music, and it's really really mellow yeah it's it's not Larry Norman, let's right. put it that way right. and and more and that is it has definitely morphed over the many years uh that Christian contemporary music now as that's what they call it has been around it used to be just known as Jesus music, yeah because <laughs> you singing about Jesus, all right, if you'd like a uh the four tickets for you and three of your friends to go see Jesus Revolution tomorrow night at the Riverdale 10 at the bottom of Cantrell Hill, uh, 7 o'clock showtime. Get into the door, 6.30. It's, it's festival seating. If you're old enough, you'll know exactly what I'm True talking about. True hippie fashion, right? Yes, exactly right. <laughs> now, you must sit in the seat. You can't sit in the aisles. You know, we're going to ask that you wear shoes as well. But if you... T- <laughs>
3: Sandals are good. Though, if you, right? Yeah, if you show up in sandals or you
2: show up in beer feet, I don't know. I might have to let you in just to let you in. But the bottom line, if you want those tickets, you call right now. Uh, 501-823-0965. 501 823 And I, I was just talking uh, with the, with Jimmy here, and there's a lot of similarities. of uh, The young people at the end of the 60s going into the 70s, and uh, the Gen Zers right now.
3: Yeah, I agree with that.
2: And 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 here's what I mean by that. The Summer of Love had occurred in 1968 and come crashing down around our ears. Uh Altamont, you know, you had Woodstock which was peace love and rock right. and roll, you know. And uh, it was fantastic. But by the time we got to Altamont it wasn't that way at all. They were in a uh, a big place where they raced cars and things of that nature the rolling stones were there and uh people went nuts yeah. and a young man got killed by went the hells South. angels yeah. and uh that w- and that and by that time uh hendrix had died joplin had died uh morrison had died all from drug over- overdoses and uh, everybody was sitting there with this nihilistic view on their face of what's it all about and what can we do about it. And in, in as it always happens, nobody's expecting him to step in. God stepped in. Right. And yeah. things happened that were fantastic at that time. I think uh, Generation Z, you come see this movie. It may I touch you in a special good. way. Yeah. I think it would be good for young people to see yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. All right. Take a break. Again, You want the tickets, you got to call to get them here on the Dave Ellswick Show. See you tomorrow from the Capitol right here on 101, the, uh, The Answer.